Tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatteriesgarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. Our free phone number, Emma's producing today. She'll be happy to uh, hear from you throughout the show. Coming up on the programme this morning, Johnny Luby, his uh, weekly ramblings in just a little while. Nina Needs It's A&E campaign appeared before the Petitions Committee in Leinster House yesterday afternoon. We'll be hearing about that. Our listeners sharing their thoughts on emigration and rebel songs in pubs, would you believe? That seems to have... Uh, emerged as a huge topic following our conversation yesterday. We have our Friday panel, and uh, the panel will unpack the big topics of the week. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. We're always glad to hear from you. By the way, we'll be playing match three in this hour, if we can at all. So if you want to register... You can do so right now. You know the score at this point. Just give us your name and your details, but match three at the end of your correspondence with us. So again, that's 83 311 We'll call somebody back pretty soon. Um, let's have a look at what's making front page headlines today. The Irish Daily Mail, they're telling us that the uh, media regulator has been called on to ensure that Ryan Tuberty's new radio gig in London does not lead to job losses at home as the show will be syndicated to regional... Irish stations and broadcasters are saying that this uh, new deal is unprecedented for local radio and could open the floodgates as other stations seek to cut their costs and potentially reduce presenters' hours. So that's going to be interesting how that unfolds. The Irish Examiner and uh, their main story centres around the Tornishta in Israel and uh, Tornishta Michal Martin has warned that uh, Israeli Foreign Minister uh, warned indeed the Israeli foreign minister that the bombardment of Gaza will radicalise a new generation on the front page of the examiner, uh, dominated by a picture of the tarnished uh, um, checking out a, a damaged building in uh, in uh, the area. And uh, yeah, he's there with his uh, bulletproof vest on him and all of that. Um, also on the examiner today, a child born today will not have to worry about uh, contracting cervical cancer, according to the health officials who are aiming to eliminate it as a public health risk by 2040. And of course, Ali brought you that story a little earlier on. The Irish Independent is dominated by... Well, it's a beautiful picture in a lot of ways, but there's great sadness behind it because a 13-year-old girl took her own life after she was bullied by other children about her weight. An inquest was uh, told. And the family of Sophia Gray um, calling for greater efforts to be made to tackle the problem of cyberbullying. But the photograph shows a beautiful young, young girl with her pet dog and uh, how sad that is. And again, the headline there, uh, tension boils over as Tonish is confronted by an Israeli uh, mayor. And uh, that's the story about that confrontation, about Ireland's stance on the Israeli-Palestinian uh, uh, war that's going on at the moment. So the Irish Times, and again, it centres on Israel. And uh, they're telling us that Israel's uh, war cabinet convened last night to discuss the framework for an emerging deal to release some 50 hostages, mainly 
children and uh, women civilians in return for a ceasefire a few for a few days and um, also we're reading on the Times today that the Peter McVeary Trust is reviewing plans it had to provide 500 homes to move people out of homelessness over the next three years due to the financial crisis that's happening in the charity. So, if you want to make co- uh, the comment on any of those headlines, uh, headline stories, we'd like to hear from you. Once again, that's 083 311 It's time for Johnny Luby. Morning, Johnny. Morning, friend. How are you, you today? Hmm? I'm not too bad at all. You sound in great form. You you obviously hadn't a pint last night. I did not, Johnny. No, I was as good as gold. I had a mug of tea before I went to bed, and that's it. My God. You're, you're, you're sounding a bit ropey yourself. Where were you? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Roland. I see. I see. So yeah. you, you went home at the crack of 11, I suppose, did you? Uh, right, uh, on the dot. And come here a minute. This is, of course, uh, sitting around the fire. It's like everything else. The things that are discussed is mm. unbelievable, you know. Yeah. Uh, Anne and Joe were there, and Tony Coney came in for a few minutes, John Dwyer and Guy and all the rest. So there was a big uh, uh, team meeting, fuzzy stack, a big team meeting around uh, the fireside, you know, we're discussing, friend, everything. And of course, the talk came down to uh, that wonderful chef, Edward Hayden. Yes, yes. Monday week, he's uh, in the horse and jockey, he, yeah. He's in the horse and jockey, and. Mm. Uh, I know Connell did say to me, she says, with you and your bloody deep fat trials, <laughs> you should go beside him and see how you get on. Uh, and that the only one to agree with me with the deep fat fire was Tony Coney. Oh, well, Tony would know. Tony would know. <laughs> he, yes. He says to me, he says, and I asked you to change the aisle. But I said, Tony, look, no one looks sure. I asked you to change the aisle in the car. I said, it was 6,000 miles. I said, you'll definitely get a couple of months out of that deep fat fire. I hear but, that Tony is becoming a vegan. You know that, don't you? He's, he's going... <laughs> I, I, I bloody well doubt it. But anyway, uh, he was telling me he was in Bailey's the other night. He said, he's absolutely flying it. Oh, you know, fantastic, yeah. Wonderful establishment there in uh, Cash. I was going to ring the with the lady and tell him, give it, give, give the old dinner at half price. But, no one was Tony Coney. He, he probably had a dinner and a half, but so be it. It's great. And, so, and of course, Dermot has Davern's open now on the main street there, which is that's great. That's right, too, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it is a long time ago since I was in Davos, you oh, know. Yeah, used to be, Biddy Hickey used to be That's there. That's right, Mrs Hickey, yeah, yeah, real uh, lady too. She, oh, an absolute yeah. lady. I went to see yeah. her a few times in the North Pole out uh, Dublin Road yes, here. yeah, yeah. Uh, a- Acorn Lodge, Lodge, yeah. yeah. Mm. You know, she was an absolute uh, uh, lady. Mm. Uh, and as in friend yesterday evening, of course, we were at a funeral and our sympathies to the one family in Holy Cross yeah. and the death of Rodgy, the one day of the last week or two, and to all our listeners that lost uh, uh, loved ones. But Eddie Wade uh, was Thomas Town Cross, where the statue of Father Matthew is, and uh, he's living now in Tankerstown in Bench, just three miles out to Bench Road mm. on the way to Care. Uh, and that was a huge funeral yesterday evening. And he used to tune in, his wife told me yesterday, Did he and every, every Friday morning to see what's that whore from God <laughs> talking about today. <laughs> but uh, our sympathies for the Wade uh, family, an absolute gentleman, you know, yeah, and yeah. there's now all the brothers, uh, Toss and Jimmy and Davy and Pat and uh, Mary and uh, all the family there in Thomastown uh, and that looked was grand to be able to get down the funeral from the house Michael Fogarty in Tiptown and look everything mm. went like clockwork you know and that and the girl the 
were on duty as well because it can be a very busy road that bench at Kia. Of course, of course it can. Uh, well, was, he, uh, was he a cousin of the great Tommy Wade? Was he a cousin? He was, yeah. Cousin, they yeah. were related Tommy Wade, Eddie Wade, and yeah. Jimmy Wade, uh, the great uh, sports people there, whether it was greyhounds or horses they were into. Yes. Yeah, he was related to them as well. And uh, they, they had a. a, a an S load of uh, relations here and there, of course, with four or five boys in the family and mm. married and, and all of that, you know. So, our sympathies to them. Yeah, Fran, it's that time of the year, of course, as well, uh, November 17th day. And uh, I always think of uh, a good few years ago, it brings back memories of when our third child was born. Uh, Shane, he's teaching now by Principal Clara, and so if any of the parents are going in there today, wish him a, a, a very happy birthday. Because I remember this time, 34 years ago, you know, I mean, I've told the story there where I took off from Golden with the Greyhound in the care to try and qualify her for Powerstone Park in Clan Mill, and Catherine was going into the expense of the intensive maternity <laughs> ward in Clan Mill, and uh, off she went, and I sailed off with my Greyhound, you know, and we won the cup above, and we said, Celebrated in style, and we came back then to Ennis, and we rang the bridge house and Gordon, Leo, and Mary Glenn were there to hold on to the band. And Mother of God above tonight came in home, then into the bridge house with the greyhound and the cup, and celebrations went on uh, there for a while. And then we struggled in home, and myself and the greyhound sat down on the couch. And about five o'clock in the morning, the mother-in-law, Mrs. Quire, quite a woman, the Lord of mercy upon her, uh, she rang. She says, "Heartiest congratulations, Jesus, Mrs." I said, "Shut up, nutty." You know, I well, she said, "Tis a great occasion." You know, but I said, "Listen, we're up and down Tommy Stack's gallops." I said, "Getting ready for all of this." I said, "For the last maybe six weeks." I said, and, "You know," I said, it, "It's not a, a you." And I said, "You're the only one that knows this now." I said, "We're thinking of going again very shortly." And she said, "I know I'm only a mother-in-law." She says, "But into the bit too." I Jesus, Miss, I said, "I didn't." I said, "Sure, she's here beside me," which she was. Uh, I said, her legs are up in the air and my hand is on her belly rubbing it. And her exact words were, she says, when did she come out? I said, when did who come out? She says, Catherine. Oh, Christ, Mrs. I said, I thought it was the greyhound you were talking about. And, <laughs> oh, I love and, that story so much. Yeah, and, and, and I, you know, and I was on the Joe Duffy thing that, that about maybe Oh, 30 odd years ago, telling yeah. the, uh, that as well, you know. And he's a case of Ripley's believe, believe it or believe it not, you know. But uh, our greyhound then went on to be beaten in the final. And of course, our young fella talked about it to be a, 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 a vice principal, you know, made into sport, which we all are here in Golden. So, uh, like, I'd like to wish him a happy birthday. Happy I know he's birthday, not this Shay, now, yeah. but, you know. But uh, hey, great occasions. And you oh, know, friends, this weekend mm. always, uh, it's the start of the big. Uh, uh, Horse meeting across the water. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's the three day meeting, and I used to meet Councillor Eddie, the man from uh, Mullinahorn. Hmm. Eddie, uh, God, above his name, you knew him well as well. Uh, I did. Well, my, my head is as bad as you know. Well, so. now I'm thinking that this is five o'clock this morning. I was going to ring Michael Fitzgerald. How is your man's name again? But hey, he was one of the all time greats. And in Cheltenham, you see, we'd be in uh, with uh, uh, Patsy Burton's. Uh, he was a builder in London and a great Irishman for the dogs and the horses and the whole lot. And Patsy used to always line me up. I was the MC in the, in the tent. Eddie, Eddie O'Mara, of course. Where Eddie O'Mara. My head is gone. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and we'd meet Eddie on a Sunday morning uh, before we'd go into mass. And Eddie used to say to Patsy, 
the priest here, he said he's a fine old scout. He's from some part of Ireland. He said he's always looking for somebody to go around with the basket. And he said Luby had such a bad day yesterday. He says Patsy, make sure he doesn't go around with that basket. He's reconnecting the joke quite. But uh, yeah, and uh, to go back to uh, Patsy, uh, then he'd build me up. You see, he'd have lads up from London Irish lads and the whole lot. And we were in Aintree and Royal Escot, and we were in Doncaster, and we were in Kempton, and uh, all over the place, you know. And mm. then back to Ireland, Punchestown and Lipperstown and Fairy House and Clanmel and Thomas and the Junction and the whole lot. And uh, Patsy used to say to me, always ask me, as for the crack, to know what's my favourite course. So, Jesus, anyone, the crack would be right good. And I come over to the microphone. Patsy, I said, and you've been to about 60 courses. I said, what's your favourite course? And he used to say, take the cigar out of the mouth. He'd say, Johnny, in for course. <laughs> <laughs> Very I, good, yeah. I, what what uh, did you think of your your neighbour, uh, Councillor Michael Fitzgerald, deciding not to run? Uh, I'm trying to hear. A lot of uh, disappointment uh, about that, Johnny. Friend, a national disaster. Yeah, yeah. And that's the way I look at it, because uh, Fitz, as we call him, but Michael is his proper name, and what a gentleman. Mm. It didn't matter at them whether you, were, whether you were the Greens or whether you were the, uh, the people before profit or whether you were the Alliance crowd or whether you were uh, just an ordinary Joseph, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Labour, Sinn Féin. It didn't make any difference. You picked up the phone and Michael Fitzgerald always answered at the yeah. other side. And if he could help out, uh, and uh, yeah, that, a decent, and decent every, man, decent man. I, uh, I know yeah. a scout friend. You know, yeah. it's very, very rarely that uh, uh, any of us ever fell out with Michael Fitzgerald. Yeah. If you did, he didn't hold it against you and to back on the uh, straight and narrow. But he was a great man, friend for the charity, which was a big thing. You know, he yeah. do the chairman of the the Golden Festival, and he'd uh, go up and do auction here and there above yeah. the field and raise funds for the GA club and, and the tidy villages and all of that, uh, uh, what to call it, uh, the old table quizzes and everything mm. else. Hey, he's spot on. But you look at it, friend. He's like a greyhound. He's bred in the purple. What other way could he turn out? Only tops. And that I wish him a long... Uh, a long for sure. And have, for sure. But yeah. I, I just put in an, uh, uh, an exclamation mark after the whole team. Okay. I know he's retired from the council, but could he go for the doll, friend? See, there you, you go. You know, no. he must never ask that. You'd never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, yeah. this fella. Well, he said he home. told me the other day it was the big regret, I suppose, that he had, uh, you know. Well, sure, listen, he's yeah. still a young man. He, there was yeah. regrets, and he just. What, 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 do, what does the song say? Regrets, I have it. But a few. <laughs> and then again, too few, too few to, to mention. Remember, you yeah. know what I mentioned, yeah. But uh, no, just hold on one second, John. I'm like my wife's phone. And before the yoke is bloody well ringing again, what, and I'll see who it is. Who, who is oh. it? Who is it? Oh, just hold on. All right. Let's talk away among themselves there for, for a moment till we get ourselves back together again. Johnny's just on the phone to somebody else. Don't you love live radio? Isn't it? <laughs> Are you back to me, Johnny? That was, uh, that was Tony Gould. <laughs> <laughs> so is he Is he becoming vegan? He is. No, he's not. not no. no. But, uh, yes, and, uh, look, hey, I don't call. believe you took a phone call in the middle of our chat. <laughs> <laughs> You know me, and I the third one. Then I'm like I'm like a TD. That's oh, the private Lord. phone. That's a direct line to the top office. Come here, oh. minutes and pieces. Uh, of course, in the in the sporting terms, yes. you have a huge mess 
match this weekend, Kildangan uh, are playing Clonlair in Tullus at uh, 2.30 on Sunday. There'll be a big crowd there. We'd love to see Kildangan are dancing. It's, it's important for themselves, but it's very important for the county as well. Mm. And of course, on the rugby front, you have uh, big matches. I think they're all the way this weekend in the big ones. Uh, Nina, Cash, Clonmel, the three big senior clubs uh, all the way. And of course, best wishes then for a quick recovery to the captain from New India, Matt who got injured last weekend and will be out for a couple of weeks. Mm. To see him coming out under the stand in Tolman Park and uh, he captaining uh, his team into battle. Uh, it was a wonderful occasion and look, hopefully he'll be back in, oh, I, know, I think that game was in Ulster last weekend, but uh, it was a wonderful occasion for him and for his family and for New England and his rugby clubs and the whole lot. So he was from Rockwell College and Court mm. Cash and Rugby Club all played a part and the quicker he gets uh, better, uh, uh, the better it is for everybody and, friend, and then you had Tullus and Clan William performing admirably last weekend and of course Kilpeakle had a huge win uh, against Sunday as well which was which really wasn't expected we went to Town Park on Sunday last to see Fedot and Bell and Colleague and uh, after coming from Athletics where 1,700 youngsters turned out beyond wow. in Hayes' field in, to, in the place called the Turnpike you know it I do of course Mike Harkey there isn't it Mike Harkey yeah, yeah. and Hayes' found they are a fine place and they're used to them they give it every year maybe three or four times a year for cross country and I had a granddaughter running she was a year out of our age group but she ran well and uh, look it's about taking part and the crack and the mm. whole very life mm. you know and, uh, she she gets a small bit nervous and she said Grandy she said uh, uh, I could be looking for a year He's on the Sunderland team. 
And this wag shouts up, how could he be on the Sunderland team? I said, well, I'll tell you how he's on the team. I said, when the last election was held here on the, and the polling box was open, I said, he got no bloody vote here in Leffens Bridge. So he plays with Sunderland. <laughs> hey, we raised a good few quid for the crack. Like, uh, uh, what I want to know is, coming back from Punchestown, how did you how did you end up in Laffins Bridge? <laughs> because we called to Mary Willie's. Oh, right, OK. And we were on the way to, well, at that time, Fran, we had money. We oh. were on the way to uh, uh, John Nellan's hotel, uh, what do you call the it? Manila, uh, yeah. The Manila, yeah. We were on the way there, because imagine only living here in Gordon, or staying in the Manila. Fran, when we went off. God, I'll tell time. you, very, very posh indeed, fair play. Uh, no, friend, I was at that county board draw, and you're right, he's in Rathronan. I said, Liz Ronan, yes, but sure anyway, he's in Rathronan with a, a big night there, and somebody from, oh, uh, Tan I think they won the car. Oh, and of course so they did, the, yeah. The, no uh, no fear that I won the car, of no, course. No, yeah. no, no. So uh, we'll be down in Clanmill sometime the first Friday in the month, and, friend, I'm just looking out over my glasses now. Uh, there's a girl from Clolters, they're the big play in Tullus next year. Mm. Uh, right, that goes on for a full week in Tullus. But on Saturday night week, which is tomorrow night week, they have a big greyhound night at the Simpson Stadium to raise funds because they do need money starting off. And after that, then it's easier. But they have to put in a, a huge effort. And on the Saturday night in Tullus, that's tomorrow night week at 7.30, they have, when the greyhounds are over, they have youngsters playing fiddles and barons and amadons and every kind of a dawn is there. So I hope to be there, please God, on Saturday night week. And tomorrow, Sunday night, then we have the in Clanmill of the Munster Puppy Derby and that promises to have a huge crowd there as well and uh, I'm just looking now mm. oh yes Brian, uh, just hold on one second the mm. Templemore uh, Lions Club uh, Brian Gleeson that wonderful young player Best Ireland have produced in the 20s he will formally open the, uh, the after exhibition and, and sail in Templemore Elms Hotel Sunday the 19th it's in aid of the North Cape Hospice and Pieta House and Bernardus and uh, the hall will open at 1 o'clock in the Templemore Elms and the formal open is at 2 o'clock you, be, you better and, mention the Hearty Cup as well because that's very close oh, to your heart isn't it? Yeah, friend, yeah. because it remind me now in one second because while I'm in full while I'm in full flight Court right. Church are holding a church concert fundraiser tonight and tickets can be got at Maureen's shop. And Lord of a fellow, hey, I can't talk to you now, friend. You know him well. Pat Corkham. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord, oh, Lord. I'm after cutting him off. He should know when I'm in full uh, flight. Don't uh, uh, interrupt me. But at the Button Court Church, that's the nice. If I do get a chance, friend, I go down there. And I'm just looking at the TV salaries. How right your man is that fellow that's in charge right now. Kevin Back Backhurst, off. yeah. Kevin Backhurst. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you something for nothing. He is dead right. Yes. Why can presenters who are below him uh, have more money than what he has? Yeah. And he has to be in the firing line in front of TDs and uh, senators and everybody else and they're all asking him questions. Because they're and all massively way, talented and they drag in thousands of listeners. Oh, that's, that's their a, story. That's, <laughs> that's bullshit. Don't mind that. Come here, Minister. Yes. And the same thing applies to the government. Yes. Why should the, the, the people in the big health systems and the educational systems mm. and all that, why should they have more than the T-shirt of today? I don't know. You know, and friend, would I, would I come in under this uh, salary effect? Oh, the least they could pay you, in fact. But sure, I mean, doesn't Tip FM look after you to such an extent you don't need anything? <laughs> they look after me. They do. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I'm still trying to cash that bloody check for 50 euro that I got. But any of this, neither here nor there. Fair you play mean you got 50 euro? Ah, here. <laughs> uh, here. Yeah. So, friend, uh, uh, now, uh, I'm just looking at another big head on a paper. We bailed the banks out. Yes. Yet they collect, yet they collect the bonuses. Yes. Yeah. You know, it is unbelievable the headings on the on the paper every, uh, uh, every week. What you didn't uh, you get a check from them for for how much money? Bank, oh, I got a check for uh, a outside and kick framed up six cent, <laughs> six bloody cent. And I'll tell you, only yes. just that I would I have the guts. I'd love to walk into the counter and say to the girl and say, "Will you give me six cent?" <laughs> and that uh, I'll probably uh, no, I'd look hey. Should that's it? I know, yeah. Um, yeah, there was something else I had to say to you now. I'm just thinking. Oh, the Hearty Club. The Hearty Club, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about that? Cashel, Cashel and Thurless, I think, is it? Cashel and Thurless. Temple yeah. Moore and Nina, they're all gone through. Yeah. So it is absolutely fantastic and well done to them. Thurless had a big scoring points, didn't score goals, but nevertheless, uh, they scored 31 points, which is huge, which is huge scoring. Yes. Cashel played in the town park in Feddot, and they also uh, uh, just emerged victorious by a few points against Templemore. And, of course, Nina, they tell me, are absolutely flying at this year. So it to be brilliant for Tipperary holding Calic, and sure. Well, unlike the team that you captained, I hope they win. <laughs> yeah, you're going back a long time now. But uh, yeah, I'll tell you, look, yeah. uh, they're all uh, wonderful occasions. You won't get like it. And you know, friend, I as long and, and, and I think and thinking I'm fairly smart. Imagine I never knew that McCarthy's the undertaker's in Federal, the same McCarthy's that have the the pub. The, the pub. Do you know that? Uh, of course I did. Of course I did. That's Jasper. Yeah, somebody. We were drinking a few pints for the night after the pedal game against Bell and Colleague and Jasper that I saluted across the road. He came in the side door and here he is behind the counter with black tie, white shirt and the whole lot. I said, is there any free pint going here? <laughs> and he said, if you give us a mention, he said, there's no free pint. <laughs> he turned it around the other way. But hey, friend, we had a wonderful evening there in uh, uh, Cathy, you know, and, that, yeah. uh, and there, there were plenty of nice there. I'll just finish on this. I met a lovely girl. Uh, she'll be one of the O'Connells, uh, I think. From Glad I, I hope Catherine's at Mass, is she? Maybe. She is. But anyway, friend, a lovely girl there, and I couldn't hear her with the nice. She was trying to sell me underwear, I'd say. <laughs> Because uh, either underwear or maternity wear or some kind of a tri- children's wear. I, I in, in, get McCarthy's. Right. in McCarthy's. Yeah, okay. In McCarthy's. But I think she has a shop in Tullus, the humming bee or the humming board. To get something humming anyway. <laughs> and uh, at the very best of luck to her, I will certainly give her a, a, a turn. And she said she's going to get into a selection, friend, of Long John's. Oh, I'll tell you now. Yes. Yeah. Designer uh, Long John's. Yeah, she said, what colour would, would Frank Curry like? I said, the Mikeaki <laughs> colour, I said. Oh, Listen, will you wish the Clan William under 10 girls, they're fielding a girls uh, team for the first time in years, uh, they, they're against uh, Galbally in, in uh, Clan tonight, I think that is. I got above so tonight. Fair play to them, friend. Along, along, yeah, along. Michael Fitzgerald's dad and my dad played rugby with Clan Willem a hundred years ago. They, they both they? won Leinster School Senior Cup medals. My dad with Castlenock and Michael Fitzgerald with uh, Newbridge the year after. Uh, Michael, Michael's dad now was a, a tremendous rugby player in his day. And of course, Michael then played with Clan William and his young fellas, treasurer of Kilfeagle. And we were all tied up every kind of way. But the very best of luck to Clan William with the oh, other 10 girls. It's brilliant, friend. I heard as well that you're forsaking us because you got a mention seemingly on national radio during the week. 
uh, as well. Johnny from the Fourpenny Road in Golden. So they're all jumping on the bandwagon now, you see. Now that Tuberty is gone, they're looking for you. And who spoke, who spoke highly of me was Father, our priest, Father Coffey. What a man. Uh, he'd be on every Sunday morning. He spoke highly of you. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah he said that uh, he's, he's a great man to say a few words uh, uh, with somebody that's after dying and things like that. And he said, uh, more or less, that I'd love to be able to speak like him and all of that caper. But anyway, he, he'd be on every... Uh, uh, every Sunday morning. Uh, every Sunday morning. Oh, and finally, I'll finish on this. Mm. Now, as far as you start on a high and you finish on a yes. high and whatever happens in between, right. The other night when I got up around three o'clock in the morning mm. and I was writing up a few notes for Tip FM and I had a cup of tea and a fag. This is about seven minutes past three. Jesus, friend, the house was freezing. My hands were absolutely freezing. Right. So I... I I, you know that rinse for your mouth. I don't know what to do that you wouldn't smell the fakes of M- uh, mouthwash. Anyway, mouthwash. <laughs> yes. that's so I gave myself a good gargle, and uh, down I went to bed. Anyway, my hands were freezing, and I put them around herself, around her belly. We'll say you do know we're and on she, live radio now, do you? I know that well. <laughs> uh, she said, "Ouch!" She says, "Take away your hands," and I said, "Have you, have you any place I could put them?" I said, "Stop freezing." She said, "No." And that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> and I said to her, when, when we woke up in the morning, I said, you know, if anybody was listening outside the window, <laughs> I said, both of us were shaking. <laughs> and your friend, hey. That's for sure. Listen, are you coming to Cashel tonight? We're in Holland Afela, myself and Muriel are in Holland Afela tonight, no? My God, friend, I might give it a bit. I wonder, but no. See, there's no drink there, though, you see, so it wouldn't suit you. Hey, that makes no difference, friend. None whatsoever. I can, bring, I can bring it in with me. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> Good luck, but Johnny. Man, uh, could I? Would what? it be possible that I could arrive on tonight with a pair of welts on me? Oh, it'd be great. If you wear the long johns, you'd be really appreciated there completely. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, Johnny. I'll try and get the right band right Bye-bye. 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 Johnny Luby with the cold hands there on the fourpenny road uh, just outside of Golden. We'll take a break back with more. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067-24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Nina needs its A&E campaign appeared before the Petitions Committee in Leinster House yesterday afternoon. Dr Conor Reedy from Nina needs its A&E and indeed the Midwest Hospital campaign joins me now. Conor, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you today? I'm well, Conor. You said yesterday that it was a golden opportunity for Tipperary TDs and representatives to show up and ask questions. Did they? They didn't. Um... The Petitions Committee was chaired by Deputy Martin Brown, uh, is chaired by Deputy Martin Brown, so obviously he was there and um, chaired it and uh, he did indeed have questions of his own. And, uh, you know, I say this as I always have to uh, say, you know, feel I have to say I'm not politically aligned. Most of us aren't on the campaign. Um, But, yeah, we were um, pleased and grateful with the way uh, Deputy Brown looked after our delegation yesterday in terms of when, when the, the meeting was all going on and ensured the fairness of questions and so on. But no, um, we did have one deputy who showed up and the moment uh, from Tipperary that showed up and the moment that uh, the Nina, our, our Nina representative, uh, Tricia Delaney, 
uh, ended her presentation, uh, the deputy left the left the room. So, so can, can you um, tell, who, tell us who that yeah, was? Yeah, that was Deputy Matty McGrath. Right. Um, so fair enough, he had somewhere else to be, and that that does happen at these committees. People come and go, but um, no. Aside from Deputy Brown, who was chairing the committee, we had no uh, Oireachtas member from Tipperary who came along to ask questions, to show support, uh, and they did have a right as non-members mm. of the committee to be there. There's there's, there's a technical uh, process and that were, can were go through. And were all the regions better represented, uh, Connor? All of the other regions uh, in the Midwest Hospital region, uh, because we had four speakers, we had three speakers from the regions, and our our, our, mid, our overall kind of coordinator was, was there, um, speaking on, on for the campaign, all three regions had Oireachtas members there that asked yeah. questions. So deputies Cahill, Kelly, <coughs> um, and Larry did not attend. Is that what you're saying to me? And, they or, did not or, attend. What about Senator um, Hearn? Was he there? No, not yeah. not to my knowledge, no. Um, so basically, and if he was, he didn't ask questions. So basically, uh, Fran, they continue to shame themselves. I'm sorry to say this, but they do, and they continue to let down the people of uh, Tipperary. I, I, I just don't get it, and we are particularly angry about this. They did know it was on. Um, of course they knew it was on, um, because we had been publicising it very well, and we had publicly uh, you know, encouraged that they, they come out and support and be there at least and ask questions. They don't have to agree with what our end goal is. We know that, that none of them have expressed support really for the reopening of the emergency departments. But and, and you know what? They don't have to agree with us. But we're we're our our patience with them is growing so um thin at this moment. Like if they're if they're if they're hiding from us nobody campaigners, basically. If they're hiding from us, how are they going to stand up to the Bernard Gloucesters and, and the Robert Watts of this world? I mean, seriously, they're, they're cowering in in disgrace, really, from this campaign, not standing up for their, their constituents. And just remind it's us, all... Connor, of the kind of support you have. I mean, the petitions, for example. I mean... Well, the petitions, I mean, the, the background to the petition is... The Midwest campaign got together. Um, Nina Nisa Day was Nisa's Day, and he was founded in the very early autumn of 2019, which you know is quite a few years ago now. And uh, we got together very quickly at that point with uh, colleagues in the Midwest um, who also got to get, you know who also grouped as a group um, in 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 Clare and in. Uh, Limerick, and we 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 kind of collaborated, joined together, uh, banded together as three separate groups, but also under the banner of the Midwest Hospital campaign. And um, we started gathering our petition. From what I can see, we started gathering signatures uh, quite quickly on in from late 2019 onward and into early 2020. So we had an interruption for COVID, obviously, and we got back to the petitioning, I'd say, in earnest in early 2022 mm. and in the first half of 22. And by that stage, we gathered 15,000 signatures across the Midwest wow. calling for the reopening of so emergency that, that's, departments. That's the kind of support that's there. That's the kind of support. Yeah. And, and not forgetting, Fran, we brought 11,000 people, according to Gardaí numbers, we brought 11,000 people out onto the streets of Limerick in uh, around the 21st of January of this year. 
Um, so it, it, it's it's not like we're just a bunch of uh, kooks getting together and uh, yeah. you know chanting our arm here. We have different wings of that this campaign that look after things from from the. Mm. That our policy-making side of it, addressing policy, we have people who look at st- statistics and people who spend their only, not their only function, but their main function mm-hmm. on the campaign is measuring and looking at statistics all the time and trends because they're very good at that. That's where their skill lies. Of course. And, I do and obviously not to a lot pour, of PR stuff. Of, yeah. course, of course you do. Not to pour water on the campaign itself, but, you know, TDs are known for jumping on bandwagons if they think there's going to be a success and they'd like to be associated with that. If they're not jumping on a bandwagon, you'd be concerned, would you not? Do they know something that we don't know, that this is an impossibility, for example, Connor? Um, you know, look, as as we said yesterday, we're not naive about what the the system thinks about us. Okay, um, we're not na- we're, we're we're not naive to the fact that they think that this simply cannot be achieved. Um, and so they've obviously uh, they've obviously all rode in behind a government line, um, an impossible government line, a failed government line. I will say over fourteen, fifteen years, um, and. What is it that we're asking for, as as, as we said yesterday um, at the committee? We're asking, we're asking the system to give us back what we had. No more, no less. We had this. This was this infrastructure was all in place up to fourteen, fifteen years ago. Mm. Now, I mean, difficult questions have to be asked, um, and I I don't know about you know. Okay, they, they may not, as I said at the start, friend. You know, our temporary TDs may not agree that this these reopening of the EDs is a possibility, is the final outcome. But they should want, Fran, and this is where our anger comes in, they should want better than the status quo right now for the people of the Midwest. They should want better than... You know, thousands and thousands of your constituents you, you, year you, after you year spoke, on trolleys. You spoke to me around October 23rd. I mean, a new record was set, Connor, for the number of patients on trolleys at that point. It was 130 patients languishing in the corridors of UHL at that point. Yes, so. and, and I did. And, and, and where was the outrage then? We don't hear the outrage from our temporary TDs. It's all very well to, to speak in the doll about it to a junior minister who, who's not even the junior minister for health who's there to take government questions on the day. I mean, that's all very well, but it, it, it's not achieving anything. You know, we need them, uh, first of all, to be out front with us. We need them to be united. This is not a party political issue, whether they think it is or not. This is not a local uh, kind of political game of, you know, I won't support you because you are happen to be standing alongside somebody who's, you know, a member of an opposition party or BS like that. This is people's lives and they're not showing outrage. They're hiding away. They're not coming out making strong public statements. They, they, To what we know, they're not hammering down the door of the HSE or the Department of Health and saying where where is the urgency? 14, 15 years of this stuff. And, and, and they won't, they, they've had opportunities to go to the Health Committee um, when UHL Group was before us. They've had opportunities to go to um, the Health Committee when Bernard Gloucester was before us in the summertime when these numbers were, actually in October when that hundred, around the time that 130 number hit, an all-time record. Their constituents 
are suffering and dying on trolleys in that hospital and they are absent. It is left to volunteers, non-medical experts, non-political political expert volunteers like myself and Tanya and Tricia who spoke yesterday at the committee for us um, on our behalf to, to, to make the running on this. That's not good enough, Fran. That's not in any language, not anywhere in the world would you see that kind of negligence. It, it's a, They're an utter shame to their constituents. I'm very sorry to be angry, but at some point it has to be called out for what it is. And Connor, in terms of, I mean, your, your committee, have you done the sums and have you done the possibilities of opening an A&E again once uh, in, in, in Nina? Because I was told on this programme, we're talking about incredible cost here as well to, to yes. get that back you, up and running again, just to be realistic about it, Connor. And talking, then, of course, you have staffing, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about... Um, and ultimately, you're talking about the cost, I suppose, of... Uh, that, that if you want to flip that around, you're talking about the cost of ending a trolley crisis, ending... We estimate yesterday, one of our speakers estimated yesterday, that since we submitted that petition uh, to the Petitions Committee in June of 2020, June of 2022, um, the expert estimates would be, uh, the people who measure these things, that over 500 people died as a result of their stays on UHL trolleys. Wow. OK, that's one a day. So, um, uh-huh. and that's the testimony we gave to the, the, the Midwest Hospital so campaign. So what you're saying to yesterday. me is put, put a price on that, is what you're saying. Put a price on that. Put a price on that. And that's that's the number that would have died on UHL trolleys, one a day. Um, it, it, and that's that's based on expert testimony created by uh, leading researchers in the UK. Uh, I think Professor Chris Moulton is his name. And so what I'm saying is, you know, anyone wants to put a price on that, but that that doesn't include all the suffering. That doesn't include all those who suffered and thankfully survived. That doesn't include counting all the days and days that people spent on trolleys. Um, and we had a TD, Richard O'Donoghue from the from from Limerick, an independent TD yesterday, a member of the petitions committee. Uh, he gave in 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 his opening quest in his questions once the Q and A started. He gave his own story. Uh, where where he had a TIA earlier this year, and he ended up um, he, he he was refusing to go to UHL. No, his GP told him don't go to UHL, and he he went somewhere else and he was taken back to UHL anyway by ambulance, and um, he spent two nights on a trolley. But while waiting on the doctor, he was going to be hours and hours and hours in his in his in the waiting room. In the waiting room, he ended up waiting in his car and said to them to phone out to him in the car in the car park because that's how bad it was inside. So um, they can put a price on it. Yes, of course it is. Again, we're not naive. But we're only... we're on, The reconfiguration has failed, Fran. Mm. Stephen Donnelly, in effect, told you that last year. Yeah. OK, yeah. it clearly hasn't worked. They were his words. And that's a lot... That, that's what we're clinging on to right now as well. Listen to your own minister. It hasn't worked. So, yes, give us back what we once had. That's that's what we're calling All for right, here. All right, Connor. So where now? I've asked you this question dozens of times. I know, but where now, Connor? Yeah. Well, where now? So in the immediacy after the petitions committee yesterday, um, 
Just to explain to listeners, there's a, very quickly, there's, there's, there is a procedure. If you're petitioning government, uh, what you do is you you raise a petition, which we did. You submit it to this petitions committee that I didn't know existed, but it does. And I, 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 start, I found out very quickly in the last couple of years. Yeah. And your petition is, first of all, accepted as valid, which it was. And then you go through a process where they send it on to the regular, re- relevant department and, you know, you get your answers and you open a process. So that process, then the next stage of it was what happened yesterday. At the end of it yesterday, uh, and part part of when, when you, you begin your process, you submit a list of names or interested parties that you would like to see come before the petitions committee to answer their questions once we've made our initial submission, which was yesterday, then to answer the questions that we raised. So we submitted a list of, I think, around 10 interested parties, which is quite a lot, but, you know, we didn't, we don't expect that they'll give us 10, and they, they told us they won't, it would be too, um, too just big to organise and take too long, but they will negotiate with us to shorten down that list and get some parties... Um, Right. In such as clinical right. people, such as so there, there is a process. Management. There is a there process, is a process, and, and, uh, and Deputy yeah. Brown has, on behalf of the, on behalf of the petitions committee, he has assured us that right. um, they will. They've now started that, and they will negotiate with us and get people right. in before I, it and continue must, the fight. I must leave it there, Connor. But obviously, yep. we will follow the story. And thanks very much indeed for coming on. No problem, and thanks, thanks for having us. Thanks, Connor. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye bye. You know, Dr. Connor Reedy there of Nina Needs. It's Andy. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie And you're very welcome back. And uh, Liam was on to us uh, to say, um, Fran, sad to think that a doctor is fighting for A&E services in Nina for the people of North tipping around and then no politician turns uh, to help. Sad, very sad, but fair play to that doctor, says Liam. Well, just to, just to point out uh, that uh, Connor's doctorate, his PhD, is, is not in medicine. It's not in medicine. I think it's in, in history, if memory serves me uh, correct on that. Matty McGrath was on to his deputy, Matty McGrath, to say that he first knew about the meeting uh, when he heard the Tip FM news bulletin at nine o'clock yesterday. He had a hospital appointment uh, as well yesterday, and so... Uh, that's why he couldn't attend the full meeting, but he'd like to say that he stands fully and completely behind the campaign. Oh, wait, three, three, double one, double three, double one. It's time for this. Tip FM's Match 3 Game. Tip FM's Match 3 Game. With Stakelum's Home and Hardware and expert electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurless. Stakelum's.ie. And Mary joins me. Morning, Mary. Good morning, Frank. How are you today, Mary? Fine, thanks. Good indeed. What part of the county are you in? Nina. Very good indeed. So are you all set to have a go at uh, our match three? You know the story right. at this point. You have to match three uh, boxes. Mm. If you pick a box that's empty, where the prize has already been won, we'll give you another shot. Mar- Is that okay? All, yeah. all right, Mary. Okay, so, uh, so do you want to pick a box for me? Right, i got to go 34. 34. Let us open number 34 and we'll see what the story is there. All right. Inside in number 34 is a Remington men's shaver. Mary, so there you go. Is that what you expected? Yes. Okay. Um, let, let us hopefully now. Pick, pick another one 85. For me. 85. 85. Let us have a look at number 85, box 85, and we'll see what the story is uh, there. Oh, you 
doing well, Mary, because uh, 85 is a Remington men's shaver as well. So match three and you have a prize. Go on. What box do you want me to open? Uh, 90. 90. Okay, let us open number 90 and see what we have there as well. Best of luck to you on this. Mary, do you know what? Yeah. We have a winner. Lovely. <laughs> well, well done you, Mary. Well done indeed. Thank so, you very much. So that's a Remington men's shaver for you. Who Who is the lucky fella? That's you'll... Oh, the other half. <laughs> the, the other half, indeed. All right, Mary, lovely to talk to you today. And congratulations. Lovely, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's uh, Mary in Nina uh, today winning that prize of the Remington Men's Shaver. And, of course, five times a day you have an opportunity to play match three. And uh, Stephen will have the boxes all ready for you on the Lunchtime Show. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. Big congrats, by the way, to Christopher Hogg, who won a gold medal in the Special Olympics 10-pin uh, bowling, bowling uh, monster final in Cork yesterday. And uh, the messages were so proud of you, Christopher. And that comes in from my old friend George Hogg. So well done to uh, Christopher and fair play to you. And a lot of people very proud of Christopher indeed. 1800 938 007. That's a free phone number. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Now, Tipperary's TDs have been called upon to lobby the government to stop all new arrivals of refugees and international protection applicants into the country. I spoke to Deputy Michael Lowry uh, this week on the issue. He said lessons needs uh, to be learned from last week in Cashel and indeed the unrest in Ross Grey as well. Now, it sparked a lot of a reaction and engagement from listeners, both uh, on our social media platforms and indeed to to Emma and on text and WhatsApp and uh, the like. Councillor Shami Morris from Nina joins me now. Good morning to you, Shami. Good morning, friend. And it's good to talk to you today. Um, a lot of people are making the point that it appears now the politicians are kind of jumping on the bandwagon where this is concerned. But of course, certain people, including yourself, spoke about this some time ago. Are you getting annoyed about this at the moment, Shami? Um, I am, because um, when someone um, uh, voices a, an alternative opinion to what the, the narrative is, we'll say, in the media, the national media, um, people are around it on. You know, when I kind of first noticed, look, we first noticed it in, in Bursa Cain, where, where there was asylum seekers um, um, moving into Bursa Cain, and as counsellors, we, we, we really were... Um, Blindsided by the by the by the decision and 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 uh, the effort and the, the, you know the fact that the department were moving people down without talking to anyone. So look, we we asked for a multi-agency approach to this. We asked for the department to come down to us. Now I will say this, friend, we had to drag them down, kicking and screaming, and their attitude towards us was horrific. You know, bear in mind, we were facing a public meeting uh, that night in Borsakane, where right-wing agitators. Had had been rallying the, yeah. the crowd and, and yeah, had been putting stuff well. out there. Yeah. Yeah. So we we did meet. Uh, we did get some agreement, and I think it has worked. Where where, and again, I want to say this: Ireland Ireland welcomes 
genuine refugee. Okay, uh, Bohemians FC have a, a beautiful um, shirt called "With Refugees Welcome" across the front of it. Ireland as a state welcomes genuine refugees. But what happened? What has happened over the last couple of years is the government have absolutely taken the PISS on people. They've taken people's niceness to, to, to and pushing it to a limit where they're actually moving people into communities almost overnight. If you just look at Rathlair for the mo- at the moment, mm, yeah. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people being moved into, into Rathlair, a place that it can ill afford, it ill able to, to be able to deal with it. So what I'm saying is, I, I'm actually putting a motion together at the moment where, where I'm asking Tiberi County Council to ask the, the International Protection Office, are the relevant ministers to cease the movement of bypass asylum seekers into town and villages without first of all contacting local councils? The CE facilities for bypass asylum seekers are in place and if the proposed building offered for the asylum seekers are suitable, okay? And that contact with the council should happen when the building is offered. And the local council should be made part of the decision-making process, thereby taking the secrecy in the process, uh, taking the secrecy out in the process that exists at the moment. And what I'll also say on that is that Tipperary County Council also proposes that all IPAS applicants should be fully vetted, get guarded clearance, and should have uh, successfully made it through the asylum process before they're, mo- they're moved around the country. And I think that's a reasonable request. And it takes the fear out of what's happening at the moment. And, you know, the government have absolutely decided, they've, 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 they have decided for the mistakes that they've made, they're going to make um, um, communities up and down, up and down the country, uh, um, you know, they're going to, to pick up the pieces where they're going to move people in. I mean, Ross Gray is, a, is, is another example. Of and again, I had my eye off the ball a, a bit with Ross Gray. I thought Ross Gray was, you know, was, was, was a situation where, where, where you know, they, they, had, they had kept control of what was coming in. And, um, but now we see that uh, people have been moved into, into singular houses over, over overhead shops. So there's been a, a, a flood of uh, asylum seekers. And by the way, most of these asylum seekers, Fran, turn out to be a bogus asylum seekers. Some of them who have arrived in the country... Um, without a passport. In other words, they, they dumped their passport mm. from the, the time to get off the plane to the time they got the passport control. Now, they should be turned around immediately, put back at the plane because their details are with the, uh, the, the, the carrier of the plane. And they, they're coming from other countries. So what I'm saying is our government have been absolutely reckless, and I mean it. They're absolutely reckless in the way they've been, they've been um, uh, dealing with this. I, I give an example. In two, in, since 2018, They've signed 2,499 deportation orders. They've only enforced 232 of those. Mm. They depend on, on people themselves to, to, to leave when they're... Well, I can tell you how many in total have left between enforced deport, uh, just over 600 out of 2,500. Wow. Oh, listen, Fran. Wow. We, as a, we as a country, our government, have absolutely let, let our people down. And I have to say, it's time for people to stand up against this. And what's happening at the moment is that when I started looking at the East Wall situation, where, where to be fair to the residents of East Wall, there was people busting overnight into an East B uh, uh, office, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. And they got themselves organised, um, um, stage protests, stop traffic, and every political party rounded on. And, and I would have made commentary on it myself, and I was rounded on, and you couldn't believe and look but hardly Is that not because there was an infiltration there of genuine people who were genuinely protesting and uh, there were people with other agendas making themselves available there. Well, is well, then, well then what you do as a politician in the local area, you, you help the locals. Mm. You know, you help the locals put their case uh, out instead of rounding them mm. and allowing them 
you know, I mean, come here, there isn't that many right-wing agitators up and down the country, Fran, that can take control of communities up and down the country. It's what the government have done. Mm. Well, look at, what allowed... happened. well, look at what happened in Burrs again. I mean, they were run out of, of the village, you know, when they tried uh, but Fran, to... Fran, they got, they, they got a fair run at us now to meet, and I can tell you that much now, mm. OK? Mm. And there's only that all those councillors stood together. And it was difficult for us to stand together, Fran, I'll be mm. honest with you, because... Um, uh, the department uh, head um, uh, gave us very little to go on. And in fact, they were literally more or less looking at it and saying, why did you bring us down here? And that's the attitude. Well, and that has been the attitude of government as well, Fran. And I mean, look what happened in Cashel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, only that building, um, um, you know, has been, had been used um, um, to, to house people that, that were homeless. Only that building, that building would now have 74, 75 people in and damn the, 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 the protest. You know, I, I, I know that people would, would have protested. But, you know, all it would take then is one or two wrong protesters to maybe break a window or do course, something. And next thing, course, all of a sudden, um, uh, local councillors and all the rest would be turning on the protest. Because that's what they want. They don't, they don't want to criticise their own government. They don't want to criticise their own party. They want to criticise the people that are standing up for themselves. And but, thankfully... But, Jamie, is that we, not the danger that, you know, I, I'm i a bit of afraid at this point because, you know, tempers are, are, are getting very high. People are getting more and more annoyed and more and more militant about about it. And as to some degree, you can't blame them. But, like, that's my fear around this, you know? Yeah, but, friend, when, when your own government has let you down... Yeah, I know. And they are letting us down. I mean... Fran, this is costing, uh, the, the iPass alone is costing, has cost a billion euros. I mean, I, I saw a list of what hoteliers and, 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 uh, and property owners are getting paid. Yeah. It's bonanza for them. Yeah. I mean, they're not worried about their local communities. They're making an absolute fortune. And the moment you monetize something, and I said this also when there was an attempt to move uh, asylum seekers into, into uh, Pogon, when you monetize something, people get greedy and they look at a building. They won't worry about their local community. They'll... they'll They'll fill that building with with uh, people that are going to make money for you, and yeah. that's exactly what is happening. That's exactly what's happening. And we we heard today. yesterday about the people in Killinall. They're concerned now because vacant buildings there seemingly lately have been sold, and they're wondering now. It might be they might have been sold for a perfectly good reason, but you can't blame people for wondering. You know what's going to happen. Well, what I would say to the government here to take the fear out of our people is if people have not been processed as genuine asylum seekers, put them in holding centres. Uh, around around Dublin, do not move them around the country. They won't do that. They're in, no, they're in city west already. I mean, they're holding. They are. They're moving them from holding centres as it is. Frank. I mean, that's exactly what's going on. Uh, but don't move them. I mean, why why would you move them? Why would you move them into a, into a community that's ill prepared for them? Fine, we're going through a development plan at the moment, and it's based on population trends. Yeah. This this type of thing throws everything out the window. I mean, why is the point in us doing uh, doing development plans if you're going to Bust in seventy-four single males into a place like Cashel, uh, that that has a garden station that, at the moment that that you know that's closing down for for renovation. Like we can, we haven't enough garden for Tony mm, Yeah. Not to not to mind. Um, I mean, Ross, the, the garden situation in Rossway is very very poor. Mm. Um, and I I do know that the you know the, the, there was lovely um, um, efforts to, to to do up the, the centre of Rossway. I'm talking to people in Rossway, and they're afraid to go, and they're genuinely. I mean, I'm don't, I, I'm talking to people. I'm not. I'm not doing this based on. But I'm actually talking to people, and they're telling me that they're not bringing their kids into into, into Rossway in the evening time, and that's going to affect the the, the centre of Rossway businesses and everything. And what, what, is, is it because they feel they feel what intimidated in some way? There's ferocious fear in Rossway. 
and I mean that's and that's genuine, and so there's no point in you know I mean, uh, but they have been let down by the, by their by their um, um, by their politicians, and, and I will say this: a lot of politicians are on straight have gone to ground. And is that because they'd have to toe the party line where this is concerned? And I think I think they've seen themselves that they've been duped. Look, I, I said it on the radio a few weeks ago. We've two green ministers heavily involved in this. They're ideologically dangerous because they're 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 very very liberal. I mean, you know, this is this is only one thing that 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 that's been uh, feisted on us, including that there was a ferocious liberalisation agenda where. Where uh, that's been feisted on us, and and Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are standing back and allowing it to happen. But they, they, you know, as I said, of two ideologically very dangerous green ministers involved in this, where where I think they're they're naive, but their naivety is costing this state, and it's also putting fear in communities. Any empty building up and down Tipperary now is 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 open for someone to offer it uh, for for IPAS um, asylum seekers. And there's still people coming in, uh, uh, of course, yeah. Um, the the answer as well from uh, Minister McEntee in terms of why people, when when it's adjudicated that they should be deported, I mean, her, her answer to that was rather watery in terms of why that's not policed in some way. She was blaming <coughs> COVID and all sorts of, you know... I mean, Listen, I, I, again, 2023, 605 deportation order. Out, out of, just remind us again, out of what? To, uh, just 2023 alone, there were six, 605 deportation orders. There was 100 uh, of those, uh, 104, 100 people have been deported out of 605. The other 505 are hanging around, having, hanging around the country somewhere, living off the state. Right. And and we don't know why it was adjudicated that they were being deported, for example. Fran, if they have this level, uh, this lack of, of security around deporting people, what security is about uh, checking people who they are, what they are? And I can look. I, I, I'm sorry to say this, but if you look at at the local papers and see uh, what's up in court, um, and you know, 20 percent of, of of what's up in court at the moment are are people that are that are hanging around town. Well, I I I don't know if that's the exact figure. I mean, do you know? Do can you can you stand by that figure? I, I, I listen, Fran. All you do is look at the, the local papers uh, every week. I mean, anyone that's left standing around towns and up and down the country, and it includes young Irish people, they'll get themselves in trouble. And uh, there'll be someone that'll be keeping an eye on them to say, "Listen, we can use them for something or whatever." So, you know, idle hands. If you bring people in and bust them into places and, and have them hanging around the place, uh, they're going to get them. They're, listen, they're young, young, fit men. That 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 should be working in their own country. But they've decided, and by the way, and it's also becoming apparent now that Ireland is absolutely being being walked upon, where they're actually coming from other countries. They're, they're getting texts from their pals to come over to Ireland. We're having a great time here. We'll be, you'll be put up. We'll, they'll pay for your food, and we we'll look after you. And come over here, and and they're coming from actually uh, other countries in Europe. And that's, that's shameful that our government have set back and, and allowed this. And actually, to be honest with you, the government themselves are panicking now, Fran, because they know, they know that they, they, they've lost control of this completely. So while they've lost control of it, I would say that do not move any more IPAS people out of the holding centres anywhere up and down the country, because at the end of the day, every community in Tipperary now is fearful. I'm looking at buildings myself that are, that are empty, and I'm saying, you know, is there something going to happen there tonight or tomorrow? You know, and again, you know, 
the fire chiefs uh, um, uh, should have a big say in this because uh, uh, some buildings that, that have been offered for IPAS that have no fire service. But I think that's the first port of call uh, for anyone. And you do realise, Jamie, I'm sure you do, you're a smart fellow, that there's elements of the media and indeed some of the politicians then that would brand you as being racist and inciting people to hatred and all of that. Fran, at the moment I'm, I'm trying to get passports from Moldovans, Romanians, uh, Ukrainians. Uh, I, I, anyone that comes to me, I look at them as a human being, OK? I have no, I have no problem, no problem in, in doing, doing what I do, but I do have a problem with people, uh, people that are not vetted coming into the country in, in, in flood and, and being, just being bust around the country, uh, sometimes in the middle of the night. Uh, so, look, yeah, look, people can call me racist all they want, but I tell you, all the people that I help, uh, Polish, Moldovans, Romanians, um, I, 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 Ukrainians, I, I, anyone that comes to me, I, I will look after them because at the end of the day, I, I, see, I see a lot of the Polish community that have come to Nina. Uh, um, we, we have Syrian refugees, we've uh, we've African refugees. We have, you know, we've looked after we looked after everyone. I've looked after anyone who has come to me, but I I, I will not stand idly by either fan. While our communities that are living in fear, when you have a government that have that have completely taken their eye off the ball and allowed people into this country that are totally unvested. Shami, I presume you've thought about this. Over, what is it now, eight years, since 2015, I remember in 2015 being a little bit appalled that we only agreed to take in 4,000 Syrians at the time and it was a big argument to get us to agree to 4,000. How did we get from that to this? Um, again, we have a very two very dangerous, ideologically driven green ministers that have... Uh, that have um, that are in danger of wrecking this economy. For an and ideology. And yet for, for, for a naive ideology. And unfortunately, they couldn't do it without Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael allowing them to do it. And Labour and, and Sinn Féin have supported them. How big will this be in upcoming elections? Well, if they don't get a handle on it soon, uh, Fran, uh, it, it will be it will be an issue because at the end of the day, at, at, at the other side of that front, we were in the middle of a housing crisis, and I mean that I'm talking about something I've never seen in my life before. 166 presentations of homeless, uh, of families, mostly families, uh, to Tipperary County Council in one month, and some of them um, are because of notices to quit by landlords who are frustrated at the amount of tax that they're paying uh, on, on their bills, but also the fact that their interest rates have been up five times over the last couple of years. Um, we have families, um, working families, who had been getting up, going to work in the morning, the people that the, the government said that they, 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 they want to help, um, all of a sudden getting a notice to quit. And they not, do not know how to deal with it because they, they thought that when they were getting up, going to work in the morning and, and doing their doing what they, what they should be doing, they expect it to be able to get, put a roof over their head, but they can't put a roof over their head because when you get a notice to quit, you have about 120, 120 days to act on it. Uh, some landlords are given less than that. Uh, I know it's not legal to do that, but they're, they're so desperate to get out of the game. They're doing that. And also the fact that when these people go, genuinely go and look for uh, a, a replacement house, they're not there. So we're in a, we're in a, we're in a ferocious crisis. And I saw a great article on, on, on Twitter the other day where a man was saying he was standing at Dublin Airport and seeing his child leaving 
and at the same time there was uh, illegal refugees uh, coming in. You cannot believe, Fran, the amount of young, educated, temporary young people that have decided that they can't put a roof over their head. They're sick and tired of living at home with mommy and daddy. And they're gone. Yeah, they're actually going to Australia and New Zealand. It happened, happened to us, Shamie, as you know. My son left there about a month ago and we're, we're, we're heartbroken over it. Um, in terms of, you, you spoke about the green ideology where this is concerned, but I mean, your own former party, Sinn Féin, I mean, they're not speaking out about this either. I think Sinn Féin are, are in a bit of a bind at the moment. They're, they're kind of in their own minds preparing themselves for government. <laughs> and and they've stopped being radical all of a sudden. And uh, Moving to the centre in some way. Yeah, they're moving very much to the centre and I think they're really caught in this now. I really do think they're caught in this because... Um, and I know that their own supporters won't be happy with it, um, but they, they, they are very badly caught. I was, I was shocked that they didn't support the residents of East Wall. I mean, Sinn Féin were always a, mm. a community-led organisation. Yeah. But, but I'm watching them now, and again, you know, you're Connor on there a while ago. Um, Sinn Féin are, are not wrapped into any, to any um, cages either when it comes to the HEC. So you, you see them really standing back and, uh, and um, trying not to be controversial and hope that they can slip over the line. And that's, that, that will affect them also. All right, uh, Shamie, good to talk to you as always. Thanks for your time this morning, Shamie. Thank Thanks you. Thanks very much, Thank man. you. Good, good morning to you. And uh, that's Councillor Shamie Morris, independent Councillor Shamie Morris, speaking to us there. We'll take a break. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Following a huge online backlash, the owners of a Wexford bar have issued a public apology to a musician after he was initially told not to play Irish Rebel songs. Luke Whitty, who spoke to us on the programme yesterday, saw all of his scheduled bookings at the Crown Bar in Wexford cancelled after he refused to remove songs like Grace and Come Out Your Black and Tans and all that from his set list. Now we got it. We put this up on our social media platforms. We got the most huge uh, reaction to it. People feeling very strongly about it indeed. Well, Brian joins me now. Brian, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Fran. How are things? Uh, very well indeed, uh, Brian. And I'm delighted to have you on because you have an opposing opinion to most of what we've been hearing. You're against the notion of rebel songs being played, Brian. I would be, all right, yeah. Yeah, why so, um, because? I, I, I don't like them because they're all about hate and have been used to recruit people into legal and illegal organisations in this country. Um, we have a terrible history in this country of war. In the north of Ireland, thousands have been murdered, thousands injured and maimed, and thousands psychologically damaged, whose quality of life has never been the same. So, rebel songs play a part in all this. I see it for myself there in the pubs here in town, that when when, when rebel songs are played, there's a kind of frenzy in, in the crowd to become jubilant and jump up all over the place. To me, it's like they are dancing on the graves of people who have been murdered. Very strong words there indeed, Brian. They, ah, yeah, it is. But they, it is they might say to you that, that they're enjoying the music and they're getting caught up in the sort of the fraternity of the whole thing and the chant and all of that. Does that not hold anything for you, that they don't mean it? They're n- it's not by way of supporting any ideology or anything like that, you know? Yeah, but they're, they're, it's like their the, the lights light up once the, the rebel songs come on, you know, that mm. they become... I'm not saying they've become possessed, but they've become um, a, diff- a different being, if you like to say, you know? Mm. And, yeah. and I can see, you know, 
it's it's very attractive, all right, but it's you know it's um, I think there's a downside to it, you know. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm I'm very fond of Irish traditional music. I'm very fond of folk music, but the canon of folk music over the years, an awful lot of it would be illustrating, I suppose, the great battles that took place, the wars, the soldiering, all all of that kind of thing. It would be very hard to avoid it and and have a. A, a, a thriving folk music scene, I suppose, bro. Ah, yeah, well, there's, there's good and there's bad. Like, you know, you have the Shannon Shanahan's and you've got the Chieftains and you've got the River Dancers and you've got all those groups and mm. lo- loads of traditional groups that are doing excellent work, you know, mm. excellent music. But it's just that, you know, the, the Rebel songs are a, a nation to themselves, really, you know. Mm. And, and they, they do espouse violence and... and um, you know, murder and, and killing and all that, you know, and so that's what I don't like mm. about it, you know. And how far would you take it, Brian? Would you ban them completely from public performances? No, no, you can't do that. Like, you know, you just let it be, but it's just informing people about what, you know, uh, the effect that it has on the other side, if you like to say, on the other side, you know, there's two sides in the mm. war, in the, tr- in the troubles in the north, like, and, you know, we have to be able to come together, like, you know, at some stage. And what do you... I mean, over the last few years, I notice it, that young people are embracing this music more than ever. You have a lot of young lads in bands now that are singing this kind of music stuff. We were yeah, doing 40 years be, ago. Yeah. What, why do you think that is? Well, there's... There's, um, uh, there's a, re- a rebellion, a rebellious nature about re- rebel songs. Like, it's, it's uh, you're opposing... You're opposing the status quo, you know, and sure, young people just love doing that, you know. Right, so there's an element of devilment be, be, behind Well, devilment, yeah. It's, it's, well, it's part of growing up, I suppose, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When, when Joe Duffy began um, criticising the Wolf Tones, particularly when he was talking to Brian Warfield, um, it, like, it energised the Wolf Tones once again, so much so they're playing out arenas now in Dublin next I know, year. yeah. So what... Well, I think we're, we're, we're so easily... Um, Manipulated is the word, I suppose. You know, um, yeah. people people crave that kind of thing in, in many senses, you know. But I don't think they really understand. And in fact, one of the things I was just thinking there, um, that uh, you know, there's a belief there that to be Irish, you, you must like rebel songs. Mm. Look at the Irish ladies football team mm. in their moment of triumph in Scotland. They celebrated it with chanting a, a rebel song. Ooh, uh, I know they didn't... Yeah. Up the rad. It didn't mean it, but but to hurt anybody. But it shows that it was, the, the song was very close to them, you know, in and, the moment of triumph. And what would you mean? I mean, one, one of the great stains on our history would be certainly the introduction of the uh, those devils, as most people would see them, the black and tans here to Ireland, who were so, like, cruel to our people. I mean, and something oh, then, like, like Comanche yeah. black and tans. Do you, yeah. Would you still find that that is insightful in some way or in, inciting? No, no. Well, no, no. It's all part of history. You can't scrub out history, you know. Mm. Um, we have museums and stuff like that where to keep records of all things that have happened in the past, you mm. know. So yes. that's where, where most things should be kept, you know. Yeah. Did you ever like that kind of music, Brian? Did you ever? Uh I, I, well, I, I would have gone along with it, or I, I do like the music. I mean, I mean, it's just lively music, you know. Mm, yeah, you can't, you can't, but like, like the music. No, well, you know, I suppose it, the point it, I'm it, making is, did you come to this realization later in life, or 
did you always have strong feelings about the rebel? Well, movement? I would have been sensitive enough to would the you? other yeah. side, like you know, yeah, the, the, you know, the, in the north, the, the Protestants and the Catholics, like you know, and right. And is yeah, that because you, you have, have to, you have connections in the north? Or? I would have had, yeah. I would, my father would have come from Fermanagh. My mother would come from Donegal. So they would have been aware about. Ah, there would the, be, the, yeah, the very much. Everybody in this country was aware that troubles like you know yeah. it affected everybody you know deeply you know it did but uh, yeah I, w- I sometimes wonder about the, a full understanding of it whether many of us have a full understanding of what went on you know yeah 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 but, uh, yeah. yeah in the meantime brian anyway it's good to have a diverse opinion just, and thank you yes brian. yeah just one yes. other thing there i was just yeah. thinking about paul brady's song there you know paul brady, brady? I do, of course yes yeah, yeah. The, the island, island. Is it? yeah yeah, huh? yeah the yeah, island yeah. yeah sorry don't go on yeah, no. It, he says it all in his in, in that great song that he had. He said, there's a line there. He says, "Up here, we sacrifice our children to feed the worn-out dreams of yesterday, and teach them dying will lead us into glory." Now, that's that's his summation of of of, of um, yeah. war and and the whole thing of um, it's, it's, it's a, you know bribe you know. Yeah, manipulating a, young people. A wonderful anti-war song. My favourite line from, from from that is uh, "Which doctors play, uh, praying for a mighty showdown? No way this holy flag is going to fall." Yeah, which is uh, an <laughs> amazing line as well. Brian, delight to talk to you. Thank you for your Can time I just this morning. Ask you there, hmm. Will you could you could you get on to the council there for me for, when you're there? Um, I'm not happy with the way they're, they're mowing the, the grass. They the, 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 the cut the grass here with the litter in it, and it, it ends up that. It makes the, the litter a hundred times worse. Right. Where, whereabouts, whereabouts are we talking about? Oh, Brian? everywhere, everywhere. everywhere. Where they cut okay. the grass, like, you know. It's, it, it seems it doesn't make any sense to me. Right, so the litter should be picked up first, is that it? And but it should. It, it, that, that's, that's the sensible thing to do, but they don't do that, you know. All right. Look after yourself, Brian. Thank you. Enjoy your Thanks weekend. Thanks very much, Thank Brian. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good to bye, talk bye. to you. That's uh, Brian speaking to us today. What do you make of that? Oh, wait, three, three, double one, double three, double one. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. This coming Sunday is United Nations Day of Remembrance for Road Traffic Victims. The occasion will be marked in Tipperary with a special service at the Augustinian Abbey in Feathert at 12 noon. And I'm glad to be joined now by Father Iggy O'Donovan. Good morning to you, Iggy. How are you? Good morning, Fran, and good morning to the listener, listeners. Uh, great, great to talk to you today. Um, more relevant than ever, I suppose, with the huge increase in road deaths uh, this year, Father Iggy. Uh, 166 uh, to date, and even at that, it's 34 more than last year at this point. So it's... Yes, it's it, it, yes, it, indeed, Fran, it has been a bad year, and possibly nowhere worse than here locally. All of us Tipperary yeah. people have memories of the last few months where we had a couple of horrendous happenings and particularly a tragedy for young people involved. We all remember they, in, you know, in Clonmel and elsewhere yeah. there in recent months. Yes, the figures this year are bad and unfortunately they're going in the wrong direction mm. because the good news had been that the figures were only about 25% of what they were 40 years ago. 40 years ago, imagine that. And uh, when we had about maybe 700 dead on the road. Yes, and sometimes we forget that, that, Father Gee, don't we? Yes, and um, when you possibly hadn't 10% of the cars that we have now. And, uh, okay, things have improved from the point of view of better roads and better cars and all that. But I think what improved above all else was our attitude. And uh, 
the particularly things such as drink driving and um, probably stricter things about NCT tests and things mm-hmm. like that. So things have improved. But as you said, Fran, this year it, it, we have bucked the trend a bit again and it's going in the other direction, at least for the moment. But mm-hmm. the good news being that it's only a fraction what it was. And many listeners will probably find that hard to believe, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's true. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but as you say, it is going in the wrong direction. I mean, not to make reference to, to any particular incident, but have you thought about this, Father Iggy, in terms of why this is on the increase now? A very difficult one to answer, yeah. but uh, yeah. the cases which I'm familiar with, nobody could have foreseen them and they were simply plain accidents which happened. Yeah, And uh, so that uh, i You'd really have to talk to the road safety authorities as to why, or maybe the Garda road traffic people, or somebody like that. Yes. But um, for me, it's just to note that it's happening and to uh, take note of it. And uh, above all, in our little commemoration, then that to sort of stand by the people who have been touched directly or indirectly, if only in a very small way. Uh, one thing I would add, uh, Fran, here on this. This is in response to a United Nations declaration some 20 years ago, which, rare for that organization, was carried unanimously. Every member supported it. And in the cruel world, so divided as we are today, the troubled world, my God, I don't need to go into any specifics, that uh, something that is unanimous in the UN is a rare thing indeed. So if there's some little way we can add to it, commemorate it, or throw in our little tuppence worth. I think it's worth doing. Anything is better than doing nothing. Another figure, I was going to say an interesting figure, but it's a horrific figure. Since records began, over 25,000 people have died on our roads. Which is and the records, a huge amount indeed, of people and, when you think about it. And the records began in this country, I think, in 1959, I think. Right, right. 59, 60, that period, which is certainly within my lifetime. Yeah, and yeah. But um, 25,000 Remember, during that time, we had the, the awful troubles in Northern Ireland, yeah. where the figure came out something around 3,000. Yeah. You're talking about eight times more. Now, all of us give great credit, say, to Tony Blair and Bertie and the others, John Hume, others involved in the process, which brought that horror to an end. But to think that the figures were eight times more, but it's sort of a, like an addiction. It's a, it's a cruel, silent killer that's there and mm. often beneath the radar, but never beneath the radar for those who have been touched directly or indirectly. And of course, yeah. And sometimes we forget the amount of people as well who are so badly injured in these collisions as, as yes, well. Yes, yeah. in fact, it, it, it injured, yes. And uh, only yesterday I happened to be talking to a person who had visited the National Rehab Centre yeah. who do such tremendous work. Yeah. But he was simply telling me about the people he met there and what he saw. And much of it due to accidents on roads. And... Uh, so therefore, I think that our little service this Sunday, mm. it mightn't do a great deal of good, but nevertheless, if it keeps something on the radar, and in another way as well, it, maybe it makes what we do in church a little bit more relevant, if only for a few people, that makes it worthwhile. Of course. every Everybody touched by this, or every, everybody anyway, I suppose, welcome along on Sunday, I would guess, Father Aggie. Absolutely. And, and those who are touched... I think of people like, um, oh, obviously the immediate families, but also there are people like first responders, Garda, fire yeah, people, yeah. and so forth. It, it affects so many people in so many ways, not to mind the practical and financial implications for the society. All of that. Yeah. But it, uh, 
but so that I think Sunday is an important day, international day commemorating road traffic victims. And uh, as I say, it's a small gesture in our part here in Fedrod, but we'll give it a go. I almost feel for your fellow priests and for first responders, as you said, who have to attend these crashes because what they see it, is horrific, Father Iggy. I mean, it is. Well, it, what is interesting, Fran, in some ways, as we've become more and more a secularised society, when something awful happens, the amount of times people sort of turn to the parish of the clergy, that, that is interesting, all right. Yeah. I, uh, uh, law, that awful tragedy comes to mind, yeah. which wasn't road traffic, but uh, you might remember. The explosion that, uh, there, yeah. The great hero that came out was that the, uh, the, the local parish yeah. priest who found this landed on his lap. Well, no, that is, that is true, but that, nevertheless, when it comes to, I suppose, when it comes to tragedy and when it comes to com- the community supporting each other, we still in Ireland, uh, we still have a, if you like, we do well there. Uh, not to sound flippant now, but we give each other a support of send-off. And uh, so that it does land in your lap, all right, but it's not so much the clergy themselves, but there's great support, the, the, you know, the community, the parish, the, those around the church and whatnot. Everybody chips in and... Uh, you, you sense that sense of mm. community and unity at times like that, which is which is a good thing. But um, yeah. you, as I said, it, that, that Sunday isn't going to work any miracles for anybody. But if, if it keeps this on the radar for us, I think it's important. And I think of some people that I know then locally who have been so touched in the last year by a road traffic tragedy. Of course, you're, you're ideally suited to host this because your own family of course has been touched by this yes well, uh, yeah. yes I, I do I do recall the evening I got the call that my brother had been killed uh, and certainly if something that focuses the mind it's no longer then a theoretical uh, problem out there belonging to other people it's on your own doorstep and uh, that was one of the reasons I actually got involved in this and uh, I have found it as I said worthwhile if only from the bit of feedback I get from people who have been touched this morning I spoke to a group of students here in Feathered who will come along on Sunday and give us a hand. And as I said to them, it's not I said what you do or what you read or what you do mm-hmm. on Sunday. I said your very presence, your very presence is important. Of course, yes, because of course a huge amount of these numbers, we're talking about young people being killed on our roads as well. How does the service itself work? How, how do you remember people, Father? How does that work? Well, very simple. Uh, Okay, it's in, in one sense, it's the ordinary Sunday Eucharist with yeah. the theme, with this theme running through it. And for example, our offertory procession would have uh, such things as uh, high vis jackets or uh, fire extinguishers or life saving equipment. The readings would be picked and the prayers and so forth. They geared towards that particular theme. And uh, above all, I try to, we'll try to involve young people and teenagers in this because uh, while these people won't be with us in church every Sunday. Mm. And you you know that, Fran, only mm. too well. Yeah. But nevertheless, in their own way, they are the young church of today. Well, that's a lovely way uh, to, to put it. Father Iggy, we wish you well for Sunday. So it's at the Abbey in Feathered, 12 noon on Sunday, and everybody welcome along. And indeed. And right. thanks very much, Fran, Anytime for your support all. here. Anytime God at bless. All. Thank Always you. Always lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Bye-bye, Chanel. That's our good friend, Father Iggy O'Donovan, speaking to us there. 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Tip today 
with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today and it's time for our Friday panel and delighted to be joined in the studio by Joe Leahy. Joe, as you well know at this point, uh, founder of Seesaw and Clonmel, security consultant as well. Mark Small is with us, mediator, uh, architect, uh, naval architect indeed. And Paula Carney Huffler is with us, data protection and company law expert as well. So you're all extremely welcome and thanks indeed for coming into us. Thank you, Are you Morning. Thanks, you're all well? And yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah surviving. All of that. Well, <laughs> just about. <laughs> just, just about. I love that, yeah. Let us start with, I suppose, the big uh, topic of the week because we're one week on from that attempt by the government to place 74 male international protection applicants in Cashel without consultation with the local community and community activists from Cashel, Liam Brown, called on all of the local and national representatives to lobby the government to stop all new arrivals of refugees and international protection applicants into uh, the country. Paula, do you want to take this? Uh, first of all, huge numbers of people now getting involved in the protests, huge numbers of people saying there's been no consultation, there's no services, and there's an element of fear out there as well. What are you making of it all? Yeah, well, there is. There's like this massive U-turn. Um, um, you know, by the politicians, do, you mean? By the politicians, yeah. yeah. But people in general, you know, we've gone from the, you know, oh yeah, bring them in. We want to help everybody. To now, we don't want anybody. But I can understand. There's there is that fear factor. First of all, we don't have the amenities and and housing and stuff to facilitate the refugees coming in. So that's problem number one. Number two is. Any facilities we do have that are available, we need to use for our own people. And I, I, I know it's a terrible thing to say, but we do. You can't be putting people out of accommodation because we have to take in refugees. The government does have to have better dialogue with the local authorities. Like, that was ridiculous. Tipperary County Council not really being even aware of it. You, you have to have proper dialogue and they have to have a proper system of checking to make sure that the refugees coming in, the IPAs and the refugees coming in, our actual refugees are legitimate. And that's the problem. And that's where the fear comes mm. from. We're afraid of a contamination of, of, you know, violence or potentially, you know, sleeper cells coming into Ireland. So... We, the government has to allay the fears of the people. Do I agree that we should stop? No, we need to. We need to still support, but we need to look at the volume and where our limitations are. You know, mm. we need to have make sure the infrastructure and, is there. and the legitimacy of the people coming Absolutely, in. Absolutely, yeah. Like you know what I mean? You got people coming in who are not legitimate. I think we had what was it? There was six hundred and fifty deportations for this year, and I think only a hundred were de- yeah. deported. Yeah. So like that's because we, we don't police it. It's up to people themselves if they've exactly. been exactly. And think we do need to police this. it. We yeah. do need to police it, and right. that is something they need to look at very, very quickly. And I know people are coming in without passports and stuff like that, but they have to find other means of being able to police it. And finally, before I move on, Paula, is the genie not out of the bottle here? I mean, we have such an amount of people here now. We have little for them to do. Yeah. We, don't, we don't know how to deal with this. Well, the government's going to have to come up with a plan of action. That's yeah. their job. They're going to have to come up with something. They brought them in, they allowed them to come in, and now they're going to have to resolve it and figure it out. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't you can't throw a refugee out on the street and tell them to live in a tent. You can't do that either. There is no accommodation. There's no accommodation even for our own people who are leaving the country. You know, we're leaving. Our, people are, our own people, our children are leaving, and refugees are coming in. There's nowhere for anybody to go. So the government has to sort it out. Mark, people who made these very points 
uh, a year and a half ago or so were branded as being right wing and you know dangerous people and racist and all of this. Yeah, but it, I think it's I mean it's a very very difficult subject because I think any any open conversations that happen as people jump on you're a racist even if you want to try and even have any element of of even open non-aggressive type conversation once you start this down this road if you don't agree with one side or the other you're a racist or you're a, or you're a xenophobe or yes. what I mean or so you're a bleeding heart liberal you're, you're liberal, yeah so side, no matter yeah. which but but absolutely we have to have a conversation now about about the refugee problem because okay whatever we're having now about the war refugees it's only the start of it because the next we'll have climate refu- climate change refugees mm. because places like think about Bangladesh is going to be underwater mm. you know with rising sea so we have to have a a conversation and it's a bit like the tax you, the world kind of you know this whole thing about harmonisation of tax we have to have it on a global scale it can't just be Ireland making a decision or England or, or Europe we need to be a much more coherent plan of action I mean whatever the problems that we're having here in Ireland it's we're only the start of it. Look, look at what's happened in Greece look what's happened in Italy with the refugees coming across the Mediterranean I mean they have had you know, huge huge problems and it's still not solved there I mean I've, I have friends in Greece and they're going I mean it's it's it, it's crazy. There's just people coming all the time. How do we deal with it? Big problems about associated with we don't have, there is no way of actually mm. checking the people. If someone arrives with no passport, how do you find out who they are? If they say, mm. I'm, I'm Mick, mm. I've no passport, no, I've no documentation, I'm nothing, I don't even, I, what country are you from? Yeah. No, I'm not, I don't even know Which, what country that's, that's ridiculous, you know, but then on the other side you have what the UK wants to do, they want to parcel them all up and send them to Rwanda. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the unfortunate, not the unfortunate, but I mean, I think it's, it is, we, we are signatories of the UN Convention on Human Rights and we have the European, and the European Convention on Human Rights, sorry, the, the, uh, the European Convention and, and the EU, the UN Convention, we're signatories to those things. So we have obligations as countries to, to look after genuine refugees. Mm, Our I, prob- I'm not sure about that. Under the Amsterdam Treaty, we're one of the opt-outs. I mean, we can opt out of any of this. Yeah, but we can't opt out of the European Convention on Human Rights. We can't opt out of that. If Well, my understanding of that, is, if there's a danger to our economy, um, we, yeah, we do have an opt-out. Yeah, okay, there. yeah, I mean, that is, everyone has the opt-out in relation yes. to the danger of economy. I don't, I don't think that would hold water in comparison to the, mm. one of the richest economies in Europe at the moment, per se, even though that's based on GMP, not GDP, or sorry, GDP. So, yeah, I, I can't see us having a mm. that being able to exercise something like that. Maybe if you were a much poorer country in that, then no. So I, I don't, we can't, there isn't really an opt-out for us in these particular conventions that, that we could realistically but, but do. So. Are you telling me that, according to these conventions, it's, it's, there's no capacity then, it's unlimited? But uh, Yeah, it? but look at Greece. Look at Greece and Italy. I mean, they have, they have, they have a problem which is, which is yes. much worse than we have, you know, of how do you do it? I mean, and they were trying to, I mean, stop, I mean, they went to the extreme level of trying to stop the ships docking, yes. but then they were, they, they couldn't do that because of Solas. I mean, this so, so say life at sea they have to so but then you had ships going out to collect them right. which was so, so, so what you're saying to me is that this is not only can we put a stopper on this but we're, we can look forward to more of this as i don't i don't i i, I think we have we have to come up with europe i think as a we're part of the european system and the people can move around freely within europe we have to at a european level decide there are countries which are which I would have to say aren't doing their fair share in relation to taking in a refugees at different levels. You look at certain countries like Greece and Italy and the Mediterranean countries are 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 taking in an awful lot. Other countries less yeah. so. So I think we have to kind of look at a way oh, and right. also within just making sure that we can do at least if someone arrives 
there is some way of then tracking that person that they they aren't just right, moving there's, from there's, country there's to country. No attempt no. whatsoever there's to do that. There's new regulation coming so in. Yeah. Sorry, Mark. There's new regulation coming in that's currently it's only in discussion mode at the moment. And we've got the APOR, the Asylum Procedures Regulation, and the AMOR, um, which is the Asylum and Migration Management yep. regu- regu- mm. Regulation. So that's in discussion. That will mm. help. Hopefully, yeah. Europe will agree on it. Yeah, you'd wonder. It's a little late, though, isn't it, Joe? Joe, I'm wondering what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, I think you just your last few words there, friends, summed it up. What I'm going to say is, I, I believe that as a country, we're always we always seem to be fire, firefighting. We always seem to be behind the curve on an yeah. awful lot of these things, and an awful lot of stuff. Now we're behind the curve, and we're just reacting to all these things, and we let the problem fester mm. and develop. Until then, we start to say, "God, we better. We really have. Yeah. We don't do something about it until yeah. we really, really have to do something about it." And mm. and then we're in trouble. Like I can see, you know, I, you know, one of our. I've said this here, here in the program before. I think, you know, one of our va- most valuable assets, like you said, tourism. You know what I mean? Yeah. To have the country that we're in, and now all of a sudden you can't get into a hotel anywhere. No like, accommodation. Yeah. No, no yeah. accommodation. Like yeah. I, I stayed in a place there like last week, uh, just this this week on Sunday night in <clears> Dublin, 119 euro. And the same hotel on Wednesday night was 164 euro, and that that's the absolute that's the truth. That's how of course. Like so, the whole thing we're all over the place, and and hotels are making uh, some hotels, some uh, you know uh, organisations uh, are making an absolute bomb out of this out of, out, out of that. Do you mean by package. keeping by keeping refi- yeah, refugees? Yeah, and what they, and what they're at, if you ring up certain hotels, and I won't name any, but if you ring up certain hotels, and I mean a lot of them, all you hear is uh, we're not open to the public at the moment. They have a receptionist there, we're not open to the public at the moment. But that is going to stifle tourism. Yeah. It's going to stifle people coming into the country. And it naturally is. There's that aspect of it. There's the other aspect of it. Then you know, as as the two lads have suggested, you know, what are we going to do with these people? Or what are these people going to do for themselves? You know, we have a massive. We'll have the language barriers. We'll have all this. We'll have the trust. Where will they get jobs? Where will they be employed? What will they do? What will they? How will they be occupied in their in your normal life? Mm. What will happen like? Mm. And the floodgates have now opened, and now we're in a crisis. But the, the government should have seen this coming. Like, you can't just bring in a crowd of people and just say, here you are, lads, take it handy. But you think the only reason that there's a bit of a U-turn on this is because elections are looming, Joe. I mean, you know... But you you see, the thing is, you can't can't please all the people all the time, Pran. What what do we do with this? How do we start... How is this going to be started? Like, you you can go along with a plan and say, we do this, we do this. Now you're caught midstream. Now, what will happen from here on now, Fran, will be all verbal. Don't ask me to say the next word, but we'll be all verbal from now on. And this thing will have to be trying to be dealt with and sorted out. But it's a major problem that we have. Mm. We can't, you know, the lads have said, we can't just deport them all. So what do we do? But there's still people coming in every day. And there will more come in. And Mark is right, there will a lot more come in, Fran. And there will more come in. But this has been happening with years, Fran. And I've a lot of people have come into this country. I know people come into this country, Fran, for years and years because the social welfare system has been so generous. Because they've all, if you get on the thing here called the housing list, you will get a thing called the house. Mm. Now, that was albeit years ago when we entered the housing crisis and all that. But the number of people mm. that have come in here for years and years and years. And yes, the counter argument is that you go into any shop now and there's all these non nationals working in most mm. places yeah. and they're contributing mm. to our, society. Our hospitals. And our mm. hospitals. Hospitals and, every, and, and you know, hospitality and, hotels, and all yeah. that, and they're all contributing to society. They're paying their way. They're all more than welcome because you can't fill the jobs that mm. we have due to the prosperity mm. of the country. But at the end of the day, they were still coming in, coming in because of the welcome that they got in Ireland and because of the generosity of the welfare system that we have. Mm. And the same applies today. Come to Ireland, more than welcome. We'll give you everything. Mm. But I mean, certainly there is a draw. I mean, Ireland has a draw for for 
because our social welfare system yeah. is so good. Yeah. <clears throat> so there is that. And maybe that's a starting point is let's not have the draw. So maybe we should be looking at the social welfare system and saying, okay, we need to look but at there's a tiered... two, there's two tiers of social welfare mm-hmm. for, for refugees here. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if you're an asylum seeker, you're on 38 euro. If you've come in from Ukraine, you're on 200. No, I mean, I've said this before. Ukraine is a special case because Ukraine is, has... They've, the European Union decided... As an as a group, of, and we all agreed to it that Europe that the Ukrainians will be treated as as Europeans. So therefore, that is that is they but, will be treated. But we're paying more than any other country. Yeah, that so. the other side of it is well, you have to treat them the same as if they are Europeans in your in the country. In your country. So you have to treat them exactly the same as everybody else. So if if you are in Europe and you get yeah. paid social yeah. social welfare, our social welfare system is stacked that way. But I think I like, I, I don't believe that we have to do that because no, we do. Al- no I don't think so because well, already we're talking about cutting back uh, on what it is that we'll be offering Ukraines. Yeah, we don't. Ukraine's yeah, we we the, the, if if there is a social welfare system in re- in relation to it, the the some of the European countries are saying well it'll only last for a certain period of time. You can't change the amount. What you can do is you can change the time. So therefore, like like in um, France and that, so if they're past a certain past a certain date, then you don't have to continue because, and that's allowable. But you can't change the rate. That covers most of the people who who are here. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but I mean, but they're talking about the Ukraine. But you can't retrospectively, we can't do it. It's only for new entrants again because we don't have the legislation in place to do it. So it will be only the new people coming in from Ukraine will benefit. Well, well, not benefit. They will now have a limitation. But what we then have to do is stop. Um, is the, them all moving around, yeah. going, well, I'll do six months here and six months we've, here. We've yeah. made a complete bags of it, Paula. Oh, total mess. Haven't we? Yeah. Uh, we? But we do all the time. It's like what Joe said. We are, yeah. we are a reactive country. Mm. We're not proactive. Our government is not proactive. It tries to firefight constantly, and it never wins. When will it, will it ever learn? That's the thing. You need to have strategies and things in place. You have to foresee these things are going to happen. You know, you do. But is there any government any, anywhere in the world that's actually if, if doing it? If anybody was running a business, you foresee the inevitable. But it's you government, it's not a business. But it, yeah. that's the problem. And, and, and not that I'm talking up our own government, but I mean, God knows if you look to the UK, the oh, chaos and the mess. And David and Cameron. The, and and <laughs> yeah. David Cameron. I know. I nearly died from shock. It was yeah. like, hey, Burley, oh my yeah. God. Yes. You might as well train Brexit as well, Frank. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, if you look at, look at even the, how things are changing, if we look at how our views are changing, and I'm going to say something pretty kind of off the wall. That'd be but unusual like, for, for me. Yeah. Well, like, look at the how the Trump, the Trump people who supported Trump because they got sick of people and they got sick mm. of refugees and all this. And Trump said, "I'll fix it for you." Mm. And then the other side, you look at the UK and and how Brexit happened. Mm. Oh, we'll stop immigrants coming or you know people migrating into our country. We'll stop all that. This is what's happening. I'm starting to see some kind of things going on here that I'm a little bit uncomfortable with in Ireland. What do you mean in terms of who we it, might look to now? Who we might it? look to. So yes. what are we looking to? And you said, you know, it's like elections are coming up. Mm-hmm. We just have to be aware of that. Yes, we have problems. They need to be resolved, but we need to be very aware of what we're doing. But, but yeah. we, we've said it several times, Fran, you know, the system. We've said it several, sorry, Paul, mm-hmm. we've said it several times, Fran, the system. We have a system in this country, you know, and the system, we need to change the system. You know, yeah. we've had it yeah. time and time again. Governments come, governments go. The next government, whoever will be in power five years, ten years down the road, 15 years down the road, and everyone has their own opinion, and they're entitled to their own opinion. They're entitled to who they want to vote for. That's a democracy. And by all means, the important thing is to go out and vote. That's the reality. But the system we have is absolutely crackers. 
Mm-hmm. We're not doing... There are so many things we're getting wrong and constantly doing wrong. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. constantly doing them wrong. And we still... What do we do? Repeat the same thing again mm-hmm. and repeat the same thing again. What do you mean? Like capital projects? All, all I mean, all things. capital projects. All, like You come back to the famous... Like the like everyone in the country... Like the children's mm-hmm. hospital. I, know, yeah. I was above yesterday trying to come out of... of um, in Dublin, coming out through Crumlin. Mother of divine God. It was, it was ten past five... Hand on heart, I didn't move for a full ten minutes. And inside there's the children's hospital. Like, yeah. This is cuckoo stuff, like. And what do we do? No, 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 no. Why? Because a group of consultants decided that's where it should, where be, it should be. Because yeah. it's handy for them because they can go over and back from Pite. So now we're in an even more dense area than mm-hmm. Grumman. Yeah. Like, so absolutely, absolutely. So. And the only things across the road from or down the road from it is is the Black Forge pub. I'll bow to your superior knowledge I mean, I think, on the I think, pubs of Dublin. I think, I think it's, it's, isn't it a function of democracy to a certain extent we've ended with the system we have is because it only each government is only, what, five years? Mm. So, yeah. so as soon as they get into power, they're thinking about how do I stay in power? Or, and it becomes a kind of a populist thing. So no one thinks about... I mean, I, I, I remember one of the most amazing things I went to when I went to Newgrange. And, I, and, and, I, and you think about here was a... So they built Newgrange as a clock, essentially. Yeah. And it took them, was it seven generations... <laughs> To, so, so there was an investment. Like, so the people who started and paid for it would never, not even their children's children's <laughs> children, would benefit. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, if we don't have a benefit yeah. next week, we get upset. So I, I think the whole system of, of we need to think longer term. And yes, and, and, and I mean, yes. so plans need to be put in place by a government or whatever to say, right, we're going to do this. And this is the plan for the next 10, yes. 15 well, what, years. What would you you'd be looking for something like a unity <clears throat> decision on that? Like, a bit like, even though God knows it's failing to some yeah. degree, to care. You need that kind of a... I think, yeah. And I think, I think, I think if, if we take just even the simple thing at the housing, I think our problem is our planning system in the housing is because mm-hmm. we, we're not strategic, we're not sticking long enough strategically so that there isn't a kind of a plan. Like, if you think about it, anyone builds a, like a development here anywhere in Clamed, right? So they have a development plan. Mm. So we all go through this big development plan and we all talk about it. But then when they actually comes to, to do the development, we go through it again because now we have all the planning. Mm. Where other other systems where they would say, well, we have a development plan. As long as within the confines of what was said in the development plan, there's no objections now. Object all you want and all your observations in the planning, in the strategic planning mm. side. And then once once it stays within it's the correct height, the correct thing, density, mm-hmm. whatever like that, mm. there's no more public input. Which would speed mm. up the system because but somebody made the point to me: How can you have these strategic plans now when there's such an influx of people? You have to well, have yeah. good forecast you know, models. Yeah. You have to be able to make assumptions based on what's going on, yeah. and, and 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 make assumptions. And I and more than ten years. I'm talking about twenty, thirty yeah. years yeah. that your planning has to look at. So you have to make assumptions. It's like if I was doing a disaster recovery plan for an organisation, I'm going to assume there's going to be a pandemic, there's going to be an earthquake. Actually, we might even have a volcano in Ireland. That's what I will plan. Oh, so you build in you form. build all these yeah. formulations in so it enables you to plan strategically so you can focus on those points and not less focused just like anything Ireland does is if it's inside the M50 I mean we've mm. got to think of regional right. yes. of regional like not not the regional development where those ones for everybody in the audience which we had over the years <laughs> like you know well, we, give something, we give something to Athlone we give something sorry Athlone but, but like you know so it's not one for everybody in the audience we've got to think and say what is strategically mm. correct not what mm. is politically correct I think there's uh, two yeah. very but different but things. how could you build a plan around, say, what happened in Ross Grey, where 
you have hundreds of people imposed upon the town. That's um, but he shouldn't have, have, have the position. Couldn't cope with the initial but they shouldn't population. Have done yes, that exactly. Because they should have reviewed what was available. They should have reviewed where can these people. Yeah. Whereas we break the groups up. That's what you have to do. Yeah. You have yeah. to be sensible. So, sorry, Joe, you wanted to get in there. No, yeah. I was just I was just saying, Brian. You know, we're talking to say about Dublin, like, and as I was coming out of Dublin yesterday evening, there was three lanes of traffic going in from the Putchin still going into Dublin, like. Like to take an hour and a half before they got to the M50. Like this is the madness that we're yeah. going on with. And if you look at say go back to the housing, like we'll say and the mortgages and all this kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know, you'll get a twenty-five year mortgage or thirty. Why in the name of God like, can't you get a ninety-year mortgage and pass the thing onto your? Well, that's ja- Japan has that is, is, is generational but mortgages. Do they? Yeah, yeah. Love but the reason, but the yeah. reason you can't is a damn good reason. The reason you can't is because when I pop the clogs, you pass it on to the next of kin. They pay inheritance tax. More money for the oh, system. Oh, God's sake. Yeah, like, this is cuckoo water. Can I, can I move on to, to, to Gaza? Because people oh. in the in the Strip now, they're facing the immediate possibility of starvation. And that's according to the UN World Food Programme. The body saying that the enclave now faces a massive food gap, widespread hunger, while nearly the entire population of the Palestinian enclave is desperately in need of food and assistance. Um, this is genuine chaos, isn't oh, it? Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it's probably one of the... I mean, I think... I mean, I've said before, this is one of those situations where I think everybody's wrong. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no one right here. There's no one who has a moral high ground here. Everybody is wrong here. And I think even the world communities, we're all wrong. I mean, I think... It's historical. I mean, there's historic neglect going on on both sides. We haven't. We there's been a problem there in for you know decades, which nobody has dealt with because we'll just uh, we'll hope it'll sort itself out. And unfortunately, we have a situation now where it's going to have to be settled. Something's going to have to happen. But I think the first thing that I would think is is an element of a ceasefire just to get in humanitarian aid. And I think but we have to even be... talk about it. Is no, there no uh, yeah, there is no, there isn't. No, there isn't. And this is the problem because. Mm. You know, there's there's a concern on the Israeli side if they have a ceasefire, that'll just be a way of, of Hamas just regrouping mm. or being a way of slipping in weapons and that. So, so I mean, it, it's a it's an it's it's a dilemma. And the the unfortunate thing is, if if you were if you were your Palestinian or 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 purpose living in Gaza, your own government, who is Hamas, aren't looking. They've been put you up in the front line as as mm-hmm. as basically a, a a deflector shield. I mean, that's disgraceful, really, in, in that respect, is that they're doing that. Then you have the Israelis who are coming and bombing you as well. So, I mean, I, I think you have to feel for your average, you know, person who is, you know, mm. doesn't have skin in the game in this. And I think all that we're creating here is a generation of hatred that is going to be on both sides. The, the most influential actors here have to be the Americans. And I mean, yes. they're, they're, they're not they're, doing... They're missing. I mean, they, enough, from, I mean, they do have... I mean, the, Blinken has been back and forth, but really... Yeah, but I mean, they see... I mean, you know, I, I have, I'd have to commend with the approach that the Irish government is taking. I think, mm. you know, it's been a very balanced approach. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's fair. I mean, okay... Both sides hate us, which is probably not a bad thing yeah, now because yeah. if everybody hates you, well, then you're probably doing something right. I mean, it's like a, a negotiation. If everybody feels unhappy, well, then you've probably come to a genuine solution. I have to commend the Irish government. I think they're doing a great job in that respect at the moment. Now, that could change quite quickly. Mm. But you have to think is the biggest influence that in Israel is currently the Americans because of the arms they provide, the support they provide. I don't think they're doing enough standing up in relation I, I, I to... I don't to think do. so either. It's interesting, the Irish angle on it, Paula, and yeah. uh, that notion of whether or not to expel 
the Israeli ambassador. Um, I, I think there's points on both sides, but really that notion of cutting off communication if you do expel an ambassador. It's a crazy idea. You know, um, diplomacy and politics is a contact sport. You need to be able to engage with each other, to be able to come to some sort of agreement, yeah. to mediate at least. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I don't think uh, Michal Martin would have been able to go over um, if we had expelled the ambassador no. and they will expel our ambassador. Actually, he's coming out of this very well, is he not? Yes, do you know what? I think, uh, I, I, you know what? I don't like giving credit where credit isn't due, <laughs> but I think, I think um, the fact that he was over there and then we had the release of, you know, the Irish um, yeah. hostages that Hamas had, that yeah. was a huge boon to him. But it also shows me how when you actually, you're not just on the phone, but when you go into the country, you meet with the, the delegates and yeah. the people and the politicians, that, that SHIT happens. Yeah. You get yeah. the stuff done. You know, it happens. And that's why you can't expel ambassadors. No. You know, we didn't expel the Russian ambassador. Do you know what I mean? We, yeah. You know, why would we expel the Israeli ambassador? Mm. And, and I agree, Mark, it's, it's both sides. I mean, what what about the Sock Dems and Sinn Féin then? I mean, is this playing politics with such this a This is series? playing politics. Yeah. I Absolutely. have concerns yeah. about this yeah. because uh, our historical, our own historical situation, you know what I mean? I would have... I would be very worried about that. Mm. You know what I mean? You know, as as Mark says, we're you know we're hated by both sides. That that's that's brilliant yeah. because we're an honest broker. Mm. We're not agreeing with either. We're saying you're both wrong. Mm. Get your act together. Sort it out. Hamas, I have to say, you know, are are the the way they're acting and using their people because they're a terrorist organisation. That's what terrorist organisations do as a human shield. They need to get out and fight. Go and fight with the Israelis. Go on and have a proper war, but don't use humans to shield mm. what you're doing. Yeah, it's interesting, though, about the Al-Shifa hospital where the claims mm. were that it was Funnels. used as protection yeah, for... Yeah. But but it, according to the administrators of the hospital and doctors working in the hospital, they've seen nothing there that that would lead them to believe that that is the case. I know, oh, and I that's just the don't problem. Know you know, and, you're, you're, it's the, the propaganda are, from both kids sides. Kids are dying pregnant women are dying. It's, it's horrendous. You know, it's, it's absolutely, I can't, I, I, I turn it on and then I have to turn it off because my heart is yeah, breaking yeah. and that's why mm. Hamas needs to step aside, let their people out, stop using them as human shields. Israel, there has to be some sort of ceasefire to allow humanitarian aid in. This is a really old issue. This is going back to 1917. Actually, it's going back a thousand years, to be honest. Yeah. yeah I, did a, I, I, I did a lot of work it's on very, this. It's a very interesting history. So, you know, it depends on how far you go yeah, back, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Joe, what what are you making of this? Because it's a human disaster, isn't it? Well, I think what, it, what what is really showing up is the lack of world leadership. Yeah. You know, I really think that, like, there's nobody with the, you know, what, um, I don't want to say the the word, but the, nobody has the Leroy's to get out mm. there and to say, come on, let's yeah. get, let's mm. take this on and let's do this thing together. There's no leadership anywhere. Mm. Like, when you see the people that are going out, you know, and, and yes, our Ireland doing well there, but... The, to think of it, just to think of this logically, like some people are shouting, like, get rid of the ambassador. Get, so you're going to get rid of an ambassador and in three weeks' time you're going to try and t contact that ambassador to talk about peace. Mm, mm. Yeah. So yes. in the name of the Lord God, there's no logic at all in that. Line. Plus, plus so, the Irish would be expelled then mm, from, from Israel. Yeah. Vice versa. Vice yeah. versa. Yeah. And whatever you do, you have the knock-on. And in terms of what you're saying, like about the hospital, in war you will always get a massive amount of propaganda. There's always massive propaganda yes. in war, so yeah. there's always that going on. And Churchill said the first casualty is the truth. truth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the first yeah. casualty yeah. is the yeah. truth, yeah. But, and, and, and he'd know, God. And, yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I couldn't avoid the And his best friend, <laughs> Boris. <laughs> Absolutely. He had a reason. He had a reason to know. But but when you look at all this, we we certainly need leadership from from you know the bigger states, the powerhouses in the world, and we haven't got it. We haven't got it from anyone. Like they, like we should have two or three people together today calling for a humanitarian ceasefire. Start there. Start with humanity. Start with saving children. Just saving kids and saving pregnant women that have been blown up for no bloody reason in the wider world, only you're there and you're against me and I'm getting rid of you. And, and, and with, you, with your security hat on you, can you believe what happened in the first place? I mean, how did Hamas manage to get past one of the best and most sophisticated security um, organisations in, in, in the world? Where well, there's no, there's no such thing, I suppose, Fran... The human brain, like, will always outmaneuver any kind of a plan. You know, like, you have people out there... But they're renowned like, all over the world for their... I know, but you look at the White House a couple of... Yeah. Two yeah, years ago, point. three years good ago, point, like, yeah. you know, here we go, yeah. like, you know, and yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not being yeah, facetious yeah. with you, yeah. but people put plans in place and they do all that, but while you're putting the plan in place, there's someone else planning to unravel it. You yeah. know, like, how many times have you heard here, you know, like, you remember, go back here, like, uh, you know, some people here might be too young, when they were in the seatbelt into it, you know, <laughs> the first thing happened was... How do you get around that? Could you, could you buckle it and sit on top of it? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I do remember that. You know? yeah. And when it came on, then we'd say, but you know, Thanks the drink, you. the drink driving, like you know, how do you get around that? You know, yeah, drink, can you have three pints? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or can you have two pints and, and, a, yeah, and a half of whiskey? Yeah, you know, yeah, what this yeah. was, sure, this ridiculous stuff. And that's us. So everyone that puts a security plan in place, there's somebody else planning mm. to get around it. But what we're really lacking here is world's leaders, as you say. But also, the huge problem is. Is there a clear solution? Mm. Because I well, mean, if you think if you think of Ukraine, there's a there's a solution that is you go back to the rules of borders. But the problem I think in 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 Gaza and the the whole of that area is there isn't really a clear border that you could but, say you know there this was you see when it, when the oh, well, state I mean, of Israel was created, mm. what happened is and, yeah. and why Hamas is throwing a wobbler is because of the Israeli settlements mm. moving oh, outside, no, exactly. which are yes, breaking international Bank, law. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, so I mean, that's, that's it. But, see, now, but now you have this situation which has been going on for so long that you have, you know, Israelis who are living where they shouldn't, essentially where they basically squatted. But then again, but that the, depends, the Palestinians... But that depends the on who, who you talk yeah. to. If you talk but, to a Zionist, they say that was Cana. Oh, I know, that, yeah. That yeah. is my land. But you see, this is the problem. See, the problem is that there isn't, as I said, there isn't a clear distinction. People using the Bible as some sort of a a property contract. But I think, though, yeah. I think Mark, if you, if you start at the beginning with a humanitarian... Yes, absolutely, start yeah. there. Yeah. If you start there. Yeah. But yeah. this time, keep negotiating until you finish the project. Mm. You can't leave it up in mid-air, three-quarter ways through and hope no. to God that it'll all go away. You know what I mean? Right. Like you, you just take, you come back to our sorry friend. You go no, back to no, our no, country no. here. You know, and we're still above. We still have unions that won't attend the meeting. They won't go back into yeah. our. Why? Because they want fourteen different green government. lanes. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And I this know. has gone on and gone on. Listen, you're getting so me into trouble. Right. I must take a break. <laughs> I'll sorry, be. We'll, <laughs> we'll be right back. You got to pay the wages. <laughs> we'll be back with more of that passion in just a moment. <laughs> Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to our Friday panel. Paula Carney-Hoffler is with us, Mark Small and uh, Joe Lee. And it's been adjudicated here that Mark Small is the baddie today. Again, again. The most negative stuff coming into us is about Mark Small. And I am probably mad, am I? Yes. <laughs> I, think, I think it was adjudicated during the break that yeah. I am actually is, mad. Is he mad, says <laughs> somebody, in, in terms of some commentary earlier on. Anyway, let us move swiftly on because uh, following a huge online backlash, the owners of a Wex 
Wexford Bar have issued a public apology to a musician after he was initially told not to play Irish rebel songs. Lou Quitty spoke to us on the programme uh, yesterday. His bookings uh, were cancelled because he played uh, the likes of Come Out You Black and Tans and sort of all sorts of stuff. Now we did sort of get out of him yesterday as well. There was an element of ooh, uh, up the ra as well so I, I'm not sure what the story um, Joe, what are you feeling about this? Um, it, it would be a disaster if I never heard the Galtee Mountain by again. <laughs> I think life has to live on. I think people need to get a grip of themselves in the name of God. Yeah. Songs are songs, entertainment are entertainment. Get a grip. Most songs that you ever hear, there's a storyline mm. to something about mm. something. Mm. But the problem that we have now is we're gone beyond the beyonds. Live and let live. Get on with it. Get a grip. I don't see anything wrong with an awful lot of the songs. I think, yes, you shouldn't be... Uh, um, what should I say? I suppose um, glorifying, glorifying, yes. glorifying. That was the word, friend. You couldn't, yes. you shouldn't be glorifying maybe murder and all this kind of carry on in the past or whatever. But if you're going off down this divisive road, at the end of the day, it's a song. Get, get a life. Get on with it. You know, if we keep objecting as we are in this country, will, will, will the Irish will outdo the Irish themselves? We're a great old nation of, you know, camaraderie and hospitality and meeting people and helping out people. Mm. And that's our nature. That's why we are where we are. You know, when... Look at the, the, the Rugby World Cup, the most recent big event. You know, that hundreds of thousands of, you know, policemen in minding the Irish and the next thing the police end up joining up with the Irish. You know what I mean? Mm. Having the crack. We're no harm in the vast majority of things. That's the kind we are, jovial people. We like our songs. We like our storytelling. We like our history. We like that. Get on with mm. it. But you will always have this one that will stop, stop, stop. Well, well, what's interesting, Paul, is uh, I spoke to the young lad, uh, you quitty, mm. uh, yesterday. He was telling me that, uh, you know, people are calling him from all over Europe now. They want him to go out and play in Irish bars everywhere and oh, anywhere. Yeah. I'm delighted um, for him. When the Wolf Tones uh, were chastised by Joe Duffy, mm. uh, they, they were totally <laughs> rejuvenated. They're <laughs> filling the, the three arena now. <laughs> so you, you'd wonder about that. But what do you think about the essence of it? Uh, that it's mental. Of it? It's notion. It's stupid. This is censorship. This is us being censored again. Like, I'm not being... I love rebel songs. I mm-hmm. love them. My dad brought me up on rebel songs, you know, and like, mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, what about the fields of Athenry or Irish Ways and Irish Laws? Mm-hmm. God, I love that song. That's a, well, that's it's, a particularly great Oh, song. it's a passionate mm-hmm. song. But they're part of our culture. It's our heritage. We tell, sto- we tell our story through songs. We have always done that from donkeys years ago sitting around the fire in the evening time no electricity and you sang a song and you told a story you had a shanaki lamenting something that's what we do we, ex- we share our experiences and our feelings through our song so trying to censor that, mm. they're off their trolley. The, the, the Crown Bar, that's, that's where, where it was. They said the manager sort of overreacted in, in the end because he got a few few uh, people criticising the thing. It was an overreaction, wasn't totally. it? Totally. It's like trying to ban books. It's like trying to ban mm. movies from the 1920s and 30s and 40s. You know, all these are, are in the 1940s and 50s, not the 20s. But you're trying to ban, get rid of everything that we don't agree with, anything that upsets someone else's sensibilities. Mm. Well, I say, Stick it up here. There yeah. you go. <laughs> Thanks for that, Paul. You're welcome. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, that notion of offending people. I but you know, you must realise that there is a there is a group of people who get up in the morning and the first thing to do is they look to see something. What could I be offended by? <laughs> Gay you know, said that. Yeah, I mean, no, and that's. I mean, there is, and especially with social media now, because that's yeah. the first. God, I get up on them. Oh God, I'm offended by that, and then I, I and then you know. Oh, I'm offended by that. So therefore, you have to change yeah. what you're saying, rather than. Well, well, you like choral singing, and you're. Oh yeah, you're, no, you're I mean, yeah. So would you be offended if you're in a bar and somebody starts to sing "Come Out Your Black and Hands" or something? I join in. I know would most you? of the okay. words. Like you know, it's great. So <laughs> yeah. Again, no, because 
this is it's okay. Yes, I mean, I think I, I agree. Glorifying murder and thing and and that is def is definitely wrong. But this is part of our history. Yeah. I mean, it did happen. The black and tans were were there. They were mm. part of our history. I mean, I'd, I'd say young people now didn't even know about what the black and tans were or, mm. you know, the fact that they were criminals who were came over and, and you know, the release from prison and, and then they, they mm. basically were the police mm. to a certain extent. Mr. So, Churchill, again, yeah, I hasten to yeah. have behind so like, decision. So, yeah. I mean, this is part of it. And, and you know, it's, it's like, I mean, I, I completely disagree with, they start rewriting old books now. they got to take stuff out of books because oh, it offends so different people. Or you're kind of going... This is history. If, if we don't learn from what history is, then we're bound to repeat it. Mm. And I mean, so we need to, un everyone needs to understand, you know, our country, our history, where we came from, what happened in the past, so that we, we the bad things we don't repeat and the good things we maybe try and, and bring back. And, and that's it, a deep way of looking at it. But is it not, in the majority of cases, a, a chant, people having a bit of crack? No, no, but yes, yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah. But I think in, on the on the other side of it is that, you know, this is it's a historical thing. It's like, like should we ban the poems? That, that mean you know, you know, in the past, like we, we banned stuff, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and even if you look to it, said, Right, if you're going to take that a case, well, then really, you should ban the Bible because there's, there's stuff in there that is horrific. If you look at it in the, yeah, you know, so really, should you be banning that because it, I mean, it's bound to offend. I think the Bible could offend absolutely everybody. Well, I, I mean, so they, have, they pick on everybody, yes. and that's but, like. But yeah. if you look at Pran, if you look at Pran, I go back to we'll say to the great, the great um, Davy Carton, you know, the sod doctors, you know, yeah. and, and mm. the N seventeen, you know, and all these fabulous songs, you know what I mean? He sat down, you know, and you know the glory sat down and mess and what the glory of her ass. All of a sudden, <laughs> do we condemn everything? Yeah. Do we stop and say, hold it, hold it? And if we do that... But there are people who would go along that we should be sort of censoring everything. Are they they are, they are, but yeah. as Mark has said... Well, like, get a know, life. I mean, to those people, I would say, get a life. everything. So yeah. we're going to censor right. all these great songs. Yeah. We're going yeah. to censor, yeah. absolutely, you know, a great song, which is quite racist, but it was it was Whitey on the Moon. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was a song written by black people, how, how they felt. Yeah. That's about feelings, about what position you're in. You should be able to share and what, express I mean, them. We have those fundamental... Folk music by its nature Exactly. Like, well, do, do we ban all the punk? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, they were, they were well, some, I, they were I some go, pretty I, good. I go along with that. <laughs> um, by the way, can I just interrupt our conversation? Just some breaking news because Sinn Fein uh, today confirming that the Tipperary County Councillor Anne Marie Ryan has joined the party Ooh. and will sit as part of the Sinn Fein group on the council in anticipation of uh, next year's local elections. Uh, hopefully, we'll be speaking to Anne Marie on the show on Monday. But just a bit of breaking news there. Before we go, can I can I just talk to you about uh, Sunday because it is International mm. Men's Day. About time uh, this. <laughs> Coming, this coming Sunday. Paul, Paula, what, what about that? <laughs> International men. Go on, Paula. Go on. <laughs> three men, three I'm men gonna, in the I'm room gonna, now. I'm going to have some jesting first. So I actually said to my husband, and actually my husband said to me, what do you think of International Men's Day? And I said, it's a great way for men to learn about women. <laughs> to which I, I, I went down like a bomb. You turned that around. Oh, Lord. I, I actually, I really think it's great. Do I really know? do. I really you do. See, I never know I with do. you whether you're. <laughs> no, I do. I do. I think it's an opportunity for men to meet other. I, I love International Women's Day. The Chamber, Tipperary Chamber, runs a great International Women's Day, and they're going to be running a great international running are running a great International Men's Day. But I think it's an important thing. We need to recognise mm. the men in our country. Uh, we need to appreciate them absolutely, um, and we also need them to get together to talk. 
about uh, which is so important which is important and, uh, Joe the theme for this year is zero male suicide and again this is something oh. you're very off with is it good that we would have a day where there is a focus like this I mean not only is it international well it's always like, good it's always good friend to talk about it like you're up and wonder about these headlines do you know what I mean like it's very difficult to aim for zero you know they're like I hear them out there I hear you know deaths on the road like as well in car crashes like we'll have zero by 2020 something but like it, it's a very difficult dangerous aim, you know what I mean, because mm. there is zero chance of getting to zero, right. you know, yeah. literally, you know, mm. um, but it is still good, it is good, and as Paul has rightly said, you know, to talk about suicide, to get people to talk and to get men to talk, like, to get men to talk is impossible, like, you know, mm. probably because we're super intelligent people. Well, that, we say, <laughs> that goes to we keep saying. our thoughts to ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, we can't be sharing our great ideas <laughs> with anybody else, but on, on a serious note, I think, yes, it is great to talk, and I think it is good It is good that that suicide is brought into it from the male perspective, from the male perspective that mm. people can talk about their feelings and, you know. Is it, is it a difficult time for men, Mark? Because, like, so, half the time here on the programme, I don't know what to say. Like, I, or I'm adjudicating what I say, and I'm wondering... But, I mean, I think, we're, are we not back to the being offended? Like, if you say yeah. something, someone's going to get offended because, yeah, but I, I, I mean... But I spoke about a pregnant woman in part of our conversations there, and I sort of... Th- should I, you know, and then I no, I think there. I mean, I think as men, I yeah, I, I, I think there's a there's a change in our in our perception of what our. I mean, in in like you know, maybe fifty hundred years ago, we had a, the role was you went out to work, you came back, and that was it. You know, now it's very much changed, and the whole society has changed. And I think for for the better is that, you know, men are getting more involved in the bringing up of children, and and now there's much more of a sharing of it. That was never the case in the past. Like the men went out to work, came back, saw the kids when they were going to college or not going to work mm-hmm. themselves. So I mean, there was there was this disconnect. You know, men went to work and women didn't. Mm. Um, but I think our changing role is causing is is for some people maybe is causing a well, what is my role? If I don't yes, know what yeah. it's changing, but I don't actually know exactly what it is, and maybe I'm not comfortable what where I'm direction I'm going, and I'm more comfortable over here. Yes. So yeah, and, and then this notion and, of toxic masculinity. Yeah, know, I mean, there's an awful. I mean, there's an awful lot of. Yeah. I mean, to yeah. be honest, I mean, sorry, but you know, in relation to certain phrases, and I, everyone needs to be labelled, you yes. know. And we I, have I to think, be I, sorry, the top, go on ahead. I think, I, I think on top of that, we do a massive amount of overthinking. Yes. And then when it comes to the this awkward bit, mm. whatever the awkward bit is, we avoid it rather than talk about it. Yes. Mm. You know what I mean? And we brush under the carpet. And but I, I love your opinion, Paula, on, you know, the unfortunate, awful death of that girl, Ashley Murphy. And then all of a sudden, there was a conversation around. Every man being a threat to women in some yeah. way. I don't think that. You, know? you know what I mean? And that's that's hyping it up. Like, yes, women feel threatened. There has been terrible situations. I, you know, I I, I had a terrible situation in, in my life where you you know you're kind of going, Jesus, would that happen to me? But uh, you know, I think there was just an awful lot of hype around Ashley's Murphy. Was death was horrendous, but you know, it, it is an it is out there. It does happen. But women just women are conscious of it. We're conscious mm. if we're walking down a street in a dark mm. night. We do look over. I do look over my yeah, shoulder. Yeah. I carry keys in my hands when I'm moving away from my car in a dark night in a bad I area. Men, I think men are... Men, there but are men, men are, are like that well, I mean, it's, it's I think not it's not just, unique. There's yeah. women, yes, women are vulnerable to a certain extent, yeah. you know, and we try not be vulnerable. Sure. Men are as vulnerable too. You, you know, I was looking at something the other day about domestic violence in relation, domestic violence perpetrated on men. And, it, you know, there's... I, I, you see very little about it. Mm. You know, and stuff like that. Well, there's and a Joe, shame. You know I think there's that. a shame. But that's, that's, that's where this comes into. That, yeah. Men who suffer from domestic violence end up committing suicide because they have no route 
to go. Yes. There's yeah. no support there. And as you said, there's this masculinity, like, you know yeah. what I mean? You're supposed to be tough. Strong. And you're yes. to be a strong one. Not and show it, weakness. And it comes back as well, you know, it has to come back some aspect of it to, you know, the man will go to work. One thing, I mean, I think that, I mean, I suppose that I saw maybe come out a bit more positive out of the whole pandemic was is that there was a bit more men looking after other men saying that, you know, because you're people isolated. So you didn't make that contest. Look, are you all right? Like, how are you going? Like, because we weren't meeting in a certain sense. And I think there's been more connections made. And I think to a certain extent, men were a little bit more conscious of... Of of making sure someone is all right, like you know, mm, I mean, yes, yeah. and that so that which wasn't prior to the pandemic. I mean, if you didn't yes. see off the match, like you're kind of going, ah, sure he'd be around. But now you don't see him one night. You can't. You, you might. There might be a call but, going. But to all say that hello. camaraderie and fraternity and all of that 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 we had during go is that not all gone? I, no, I, I think it's 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 maybe not as. Uh, is maybe not as front and centre, but it's yeah. still there. I mean, I still see it. You, you would still see people. Would you would make? We haven't seen you know, Joe mm. in a w- couple of weeks. You know, someone give him a shout like you know, is he all right mm. or, or does he need anything or, yeah. or what's going on or or you know. So the, there, I I see there has been a little bit more of that of, of all like the little groups of people who were mm. kind of who got together yes. and kind of during the whole COVID period. It, it is interesting though, Paula, that, and, and I'm responsible for this myself in some way, that there's a bit of derision about the notion of International Men's Day, because I started off with that about time and all of that. It, it's not taken seriously. Is there an element of hallmark to it as well? Like it's well, there is to a certain extent, but you know, like I honestly think it's, 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 it's something to celebrate. I, always, I I wonder with the way the world is changing and the way we all had our places in the world for so many donkeys of centuries and going back till you know, when Jesus was a child, mm. are men losing their place? Mm. Is it an opportunity for men to have their place? Everything should be equal. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I feel International Men Day should be celebrated. And, and men, I'm talking to you three gentlemen mm. around <laughs> yes. the table, should celebrate it. And inform your friends and have discussion and, and do right. do those things. And, it and is a, really important. Families should flood us with gifts as well. You don't get a gift. Hang on, I don't get a gift from my husband on International Women's well, Day. Well, shame on so. him, Paul. Do you hear that? I, I know you're listening. <laughs> shame on him. Can I just quickly, because we only have about two minutes left, but can I ask you about the, the, the chaos? Again, chaos is a big word today in, in RTE <laughs> because they have published their strategic reform plan. Um, the broadcaster saying voluntary redundancy scheme now. Uh, particularly targeting those over a hundred grand. Backhurst is saying nobody should be paid more than him, which is like you know the paltry sum of a, a quarter of a million uh, a euro. Mark, just briefly, do you want to tell me about this? I mean, are, are you getting anything from what you've heard over the last couple of days that RTE is in a state of change now for the it better? Seems descending into even more chaos. I think. <laughs> I think if that is even possible. I mean, I I, I think it seems to be an element of tokenism. Um, that oh yeah we, we pick a figure and oh no and big headline I know he's got to pay more than two fifty uh, gram but I think it's it, it's it's deeper than that yeah I think there's a much much deeper problem with RTE I think we have to have an independent um, you know a, a non-commercial uh, broadcaster. I mean, I think if you if we go like America or that where they have Fox News and all these, polar, so, and it becomes basically whatever the owner's yes. direction. I think it's important that we do. How? how yeah, of course, how some people would argue that we, you know we we don't have a, a anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm letting my own prejudices <laughs> out here. Uh, Paula, what what are you making of this? Any anything to lead you to believe that maybe RTE turning a corner? Uh, no, they're not turning. Listen, I'm sick of RTE. I am. I am. I, I just talk about it constantly. You know, I, I I don't see them turning a corner yet. I think there's more to come out I, I feel there's still reviews so? there's still reviews going on there's still yeah. the results of some of those reviews I think some there should be, could be some more dark shady stuff yeah. 
yeah. yet to come. I, I, I don't, some the of the packages, is it? The, that packages was and stuff like that, yeah. So and I said the capping the, the big earners, you know, like my concern is like some of the big earners at the moment are getting on in years. So when they die, you know, will that capping of the salaries come in then? Because you can't renegotiate contracts. You yeah, can't, great, great you know, point, yeah. so that's a really important yeah. thing. And, you know, another thing as well is around capping it, I foresee that they will lose any potential good competition on obtaining talent when those caps come in. And in both that? a contract and direct employee approach, I think they might. Yeah. I think they might mm-hmm. might okay. lose out on Joe, some talent. Joe, what about you? Final word on this. I think Karma is coming home to roost. I think they fired Ryan Tuberty under the bus, and I think yeah. what's going to I happen now. So. Yeah. 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 Now they're going to have to turn around now, and they're firefighting again now to try and see what they can stave off with listership and all. And wait till we be having this conversation, mm-hmm. Fran. This time, 12 months. On this day, mm. 12 months' time. See where. And see just very briefly, will Tuberty have the last laugh? I mean, he has the Virgin yes. gig now in London. It's going to be simulcasted around the country on yes. regional radio stations. Yeah. Will he have the last laugh? Here? I think he certainly will because he was totally wronged. And I think he certainly will have the last laugh at the mm. end of it. All right. And Excellent sorry, panel. Fran, just Excellent before panel. I go, yes, I wish my you. sister-in-law, Elaine Quinn in Ennis, who is unwell at the minute. She's on her feet and all that, but she had a bit of a mishap, so I want to wish her well and back to full health. Well, we wish her the very best indeed. Joe and Paula and Mark, thank you, super panel. Thank you so much indeed. That's it for me. Uh, Emma produced uh, Stephen is on the way with uh, the Time Tunnel. He'll also play match three. I'll talk to you on Monday. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.